right, we got Riley Perez, uh, author, staff writer for uh, CBS, all kinds of stuff going on. Grew up in California, have an awesome first book that came out and then one to follow. Uh, thank you for your time. And I think that first one's going to turn into something really big. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we had a little bit of issue with uh, my favorite best friend, Zoom, but <laughs> it seems to be working now. Uh, and before it cut out us last time, I was asking you the difference between California when you were growing up and now, you know, other than the obvious that we all see on TV, but someone who's been there when it was when you were growing up and then the way it is now just in general. Uh, this, uh, it's like... Uh, as crazy as the gang culture is in LA, um, you knew where the you knew where the danger was, and the gangs itself didn't bother civilians, so to speak. You know, ex except those that are in their neighborhoods that are under under siege, um, the homeless mentally ill that roam the street right now um, there is no counterbalance there's no one to keep them in check you know if i'm walking to go get a cup of coffee you know you see uh, a group of women at the bus stop going to work the crazy guy has taken over the bus stop and you know it's a makeshift apartment Taxes continue to be applied. <laughs> we have new taxes every year <laughs> to fund the homeless. So the money's not the problem. Um, but it's you You wonder, like, did someone just open the doors to an insane asylum and folks just started roaming around? Um, so th there is something to be said. Uh, one interesting thing I don't see, if you go into the hood, you don't see homeless mentally ill walking around <laughs> doing the terrorizing in those neighborhoods yeah because there is a counterbalance mm -hmm. from the guys in the neighborhood mm -hmm. you know so uh, it's interesting you know they they uh the city of brentwood where i've lived for years um there was an initiative where homeless were going to be able to have camps pretty much in your front yard and um all the progressive liberals that you know, our four various social issues voted that down. Like, <laughs> not, not in our frame. Yeah. You know, our no. property values are it. in the tank at that point. And rightfully so, because they're, they're already paying enough taxes. You know, they voted to pay more taxes and whatever else the state house has done on their own. But uh, the money is not the problem. It's how it's being spent, how it's been utilized, and uh, here we are. Here Crazy we are. town. Yep. Yeah. And we just had uh, Greg Kading in, and he was the one who initially had solved the Tupac and Biggie cases, but, you know, everybody's dead other than Puffy and uh, Keefe D, and then Keefe D had gotten immunity, which he violated. And I had been pressing him. I'm good friends with him. I've been pressing him for two years because I still say to this day that Puff Daddy had more to do with it. But he was explaining to me that, and in relation to what you said, if you take the names Tupac and Biggie out of it, and you understand that the guy that Tupac hit was like the underboss of the Crips. 
So Tupac was a dead man no matter what. It's just the way the gangs are in California, Vegas, whatever. Bloods and Crips. Tupac went and hit Orlando Anderson. He was a dead man, period. There was no coming back from that. But because Diddy had said under his breath a few things, it looked that way. But when he explained the gang culture in California at that time, like you had said, you know, this detective was saying it was, it was more so kept within. If you're a gang member and you do something, you're not just going out popping everybody in the world. And the reason why I couldn't understand it because is I don't understand the gang culture. So if a blood punches an underboss of a crip, they're a dead man. And that, and that's the end of it. And he just kept saying to me, there's nothing more to it than that. It was a, it was a bloods and crips situation. That's all it was. Yeah. And, and there's no one side is more influential or dangerous than the other. Uh, you many guys I've heard over the years, uh, in, in talking about beef, you know, it's like they didn't stop making guns when they made yours. Yeah. You know, this rivalry, this civil war of sorts has been going on nearly 50 plus years. Um, Growing up in L.A., I grew up in the Hancock Park section of L.A., and I took the, the bus, the city bus, to Watts, to the boxing gym, uh, Broadway gym. I mean, I'm passing through 40 different neighborhoods in that journey. Never once did I get hit up. I'm a kid, you know. They weren't recruiting kids. Right. They, they didn't need me. You know, I wasn't from that neighborhood. I get off gym bag, go into the gym. It's, you know, it's a bit of a, a no go zone, even though you're surrounded by various neighborhoods. Never once did I ever get jammed up. Never once, uh, you know, they knew who their enemy was. This kid, even going into teenage years, um, you're a square. You can be a square. It's all good. Yeah. I've seen plenty of times where dudes that are squares that grew up in that hood who are trying to be down. It's just like in that scene from Boys in the Hood when mm -hmm. Ice Cube's character told Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, you know, it's all, he let him out the car. He realized this wasn't his fight, mm -hmm. you know, even though his best friend was killed, this is a gang situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the boogeyman that you heard of over the years is, the gangs were going to try to get you. Never experienced it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never experienced. And you know what else is funny, Riley, is that like we've had Brandon Tatum on and, and a lot of African-Americans and the the real people, they'll come on, whether African, white, whatever. Everyone says, I rarely, rarely, rarely experience real racism, that it's just an agenda. It's just a, a talking point to divide. You know, I've asked multiple people and just like you, you just said. I've passed these gangs a hundred million times and they weren't trying to recruit me, but the way they'll paint it is as if they were. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew the rules of the road. Um, my, my, my grandfather raised me and I, I was never allowed to own a pair of Air Jordan shoes because mm -hmm. in the eighties, nineties guys were getting jacked for them. So eliminate that threat by not, having a pair of Air Jordans. That's probably why he wasn't, you know, one of my favorite players growing up on top of I'm from LA. Uh, 
I wasn't allowed to wear Raiders hats because that was associated oh, yeah. with, uh, you know. Yeah. So I knew the rules of the road as well as the different neighborhoods that have different ball teams as their, you know, go-to, their, uh, their mascot of sorts. Um, it, you knew how to stay away from being viewed as a possible, uh, especially if you're traversing L.A. I mean, I took the bus going to school and, you know, I'm thinking about it now, like, yo, I was I was in war zones, <laughs> but that was just L.A., yeah. you know? Right. Yeah, and as, as much as I know that they didn't want me, hey, come join our gang, uh, you know, a bullet doesn't have a name. So, yeah, there are many unintended consequences. Folks get caught in crossfire. Yeah, that's part of life, you know? Yeah, and your your grandfather raised you, and you're a straight-A student into boxing. What was it that, that kept you grounded at that time? It, it kept you away from wanting to go there? I mean, dude, straight A's, your boxing, into sports. What was Were you afraid of your grandpa? Was it the discipline? What was it that, that kept you on that right path when the alternative path is always there? Uh, I was a little sneaky fucker, so there was, there was, <laughs> so and, and to correct it, it was more B pluses, you know, some A's. But school wasn't a, a challenge, and but because of good grades and you know being involved in so many sports, I got a little extra leeway, and that extra leeway is where you know you start picking at things <laughs> and you know. Very successful in crime. So successful that I went off to juvie. Yeah. You know, so successful later in life that I went off to prison. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, you actually got recruited to... because of your grades to be a bookmaker, right? That was part of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> they actually, like, that was part my, of it, really, uh, in the book. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> well, also my willingness to, um, no doubt I was groomed, took an advantage of. Because, you know, these were all older, older guys and, you know, a, a, a more ethically sound guy would have said, yo, knock it off. So where some guys gravitated towards the gangs, I gravitated more towards the business guys that were, you know, in the underworld and bookmaking it. You know, it's almost a victimless crime in that we are choosing to engage with each other in business. You make a bet. You win. I paid you. You don't. Well, now I have to come see you. Um, so, and with that coming to see you often, it turns into, uh, windows being busted, you know, kneecaps being busted right, right. <laughs> and now you have an assault charge. Now you have an extortion charge, you know, to where a second ago, this was just all over the Dallas 49ers game. And now I I'm facing 15 years. Yeah. Right. So, right. It was just the under over innocent bet. <laughs> they called me Cowboys blue. and now yeah. they didn't pay. And now, you know, it's not such a just uh, under over. This episode is brought to you by let's get checked. Are you the man your father was recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. 
You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. Let's face it. After a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I have to make a choice, either a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Zbiotics. We all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste the day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's of sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Order Zbiotics now for your summertime barbecue, weddings, vacations, you name it. Go to zbiotics.com slash mscsmedia or scan the QR code on the screen right now to get 15% off your first order when you use mscsmedia checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code so you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're ever unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com slash mscsmedia, use the code mscsmedia at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mentor in the in the gambling world, he, he just passed 85 years old, 86 years old. Uh, and 2020 um but um i remember asking him yo if a guy doesn't pay um you know what do we do <laughs> and he says what's the guy's business i said i don't know he, he owns like a furniture store he said i guess we're in the furniture business uh, you know yeah yeah <laughs> you know and as the years went on i don't know how many times where you, you had, know, you had, had like a lot a of businesses <laughs> I had a like a truckload of sable mink furs. Yeah. You know, no, it doesn't get that cold in LA, but you know, now I'm trying to offload mink furs. You know, it's it, there was never a dull moment. Now, be before that, or even during that, did you have a goal? You know, you want to be something. You know, you want to be a lawyer. You want to be a doctor. You want to. Did you have a goal other than something, some type of? things set that like in 10 years, this is where I want to be. You know, this is a role model of what I like. Uh, I would say er early teenage years, it was, uh, there was the high of being involved and being on the scene. I went to juvie and then it became survival. But while in juvie, you know, I'm not gang affiliated. So having met this guy, this guy, this guy from various areas of LA, of California, Northern Cal as well, uh, Northern Hispanic gang, Southern Hispanic gang, white guys, black guys, you know, 
we're all in the same place, uh, a proving ground. And a lot of guys that I met in there teamed up with when I got out because, you know, you're already the bad boys. You, I hadn't shaken off crime at that point. Not, neither did they. Uh, plenty of guys I knew saw that opportunity and, and ran with it. And to this day are, you know, living their lives straight, straight and narrow. Uh, but I wasn't finished yet. I didn't know it. I didn't I, I didn't verbalize it. I wasn't able to fully uh, grasp it because I, I was still in the mix. Uh, something to prove to myself. You know, I've had plenty of legal, I mean, uh, legitimate ventures that went well. But it's like, why was I still, you know, poking the bear? Why was I still going at it? Um it was fun, <laughs> no doubt. The, there was a big reward, so there was that adrenaline junkie aspect to it. Um, and, um, you know, you're doing what you want when you want. A lot of planning going into it, so much planning that, you know, that could have been spent building a legitimate business, and I'd be further ahead now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I always had that creative writing spirit uh once i went to prison in 2005 uh i saw it develop more as i started getting involved in legal writing (laughs) you know reading legal briefs and seeing like wow look how that sentence was structured you know and he's talking about you know this is a civil war era law and you're like wow they really put thought into how they were going to make this uh charge i've seen them too some of them are like what like i remember reading one of my friends and they had pulled a i think they couldn't figure out what to charge them with so they went back to like the 50s and found some charge that they could throw on top that would match you know whatever he had done like they literally do that Mm -hmm. they'll they'll go back 50 years and find some count from you know 1926 to throw on top of you just to add the points up yeah yeah and conversely you see guys um when when i've got a good strong hold of of the law from the appellate side uh i became a jailhouse lawyer and like one of my first victories was uh a guy who was from arizona he had caught a case in arizona years prior um he then catches a case in California and he gets a third strike, 25 to life. Yeah. So I helped and the California guy. California still is that, right? Three strikes, you're out. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. What is it? Is it three felonies, Riley, and you're done? It's supposed to be your third felony. Uh, it's supposed to be a violent offense. So you could have three prior felonies for violence. And if your third one is a violent offense, then you qualify. So let's just say uh, whether the district attorney has discretion. Right. But like, say that guy, the district attorney doesn't like you and you just punch somebody three times. Technically they could give you 25 to life. I'm surprised by that. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But this guy's case that I I, I was working on, um, when he got his third strike here in California, we went into, and he didn't see it. His trial attorney didn't, see this minor part that I was able to catch on to, which was in his case from Arizona, it it specified that uh, this case can't be used in the future to enhance 
any future sentencing. So California, Arizona, two different states. California, you still have to honor this plea bargain he took in Arizona 15 years ago. So you can't use it for a third strike. He was able to, uh, I mean, he didn't have 25 of life anymore. He, you know, was looking at a 15-year sentence. He saved his life is what you did. Saved his life. And it, it just became looking for, oh, there's the end right there. There is... There's the the entry to how this whole system this can be reversed for him, and you know you he's out it. now. Yeah. One, one thing I want to bring up, and I think it's important, is when you were in juvie, you know, the people that left juvie and changed their lives. Would you say that they chose to do that? It's not that there was any type of rehabilitation in there. It's just they went away. They decided themselves that that's not what they wanted to do. And they chose to go a different path. It's not because they went to juvie and they were so rehabilitated and so much time was put into them to make them a better citizen in society that they changed. Yeah, some some folks um, age out of, you know, that that aggressive stage, especially for young young men, young boys uh, age out of it. An opportunity is presented. And they seize the moment. Um, some, you know, I'm done with this. Uh, really recognizing this is wrong. What am I going to do next? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. But I know this stage of my life is completely over. Uh, some come to it at different at different moments. Um, some are don't even realize that there's something else beyond you know, what they're doing at that moment. Um, it's it's definitely an individual thing. Same opportunities presented to all of us while inside. Who takes the opportunity at that moment? It's the same as it is uh, at any high school you pass through. Same thing um, like that. The opportunity is there. It's, it's, it's the individual and how, how you, how you uh, seize the moment, you know? Right. So then when you get out of there, you're still bookmaking, but you got a job with TWA? Yeah. Well, so you're, you know, <laughs> now defunct, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're working with yeah. them and bookmaking. So what were you doing with TWA? Uh, a telephone operator, Tele a reservation clerk. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the olden days when folks called the airlines to make uh, the, the, I kept that job going because, you know, in, in the crime world, you always got to have a, a legit job. That's right. always like an understanding, whether you're a mechanic or whatever, you got to have legit paperwork. Um, so I kept that job going for the longest, partly and you, because... And you um, picked TWA of all things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we used, as employees, we used to be able to get uh, employee passes three every three months. Oh, wow. So, you know, a $1,500 flight to Rome, $1,500 flight to Rome, I'm paying... 150 bucks for it, wow. you know. So I traveled the world on TWA's dime. You know, I, I would I would That's figure out my school schedule and my work schedule, and I try to get six seven days free. And I was in Mexico, I was in New York, I was just bouncing around, enjoying <laughs> enjoying the travel. The free travel. Is there anywhere you went that that you thought, wow, this is really somewhere where I could see myself living, other country wise? Ah. Uh, I like Germany. Germany? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I saw Germany yeah. in there. You were in Germany for a while. Yeah, I was in Germany for a while. What the hell were you doing over uh, there? Uh, you know, chasing after a girl. <laughs> it's uh, always it like, <laughs> That's not always is. Hey, at least you came out and admitted it. You, you didn't butter it up. I I'll give you that one. Man. Yeah. I'd shake your yeah, hand on that. Chasing after a girl. <laughs> I understand, that, brother. Hey. That same girl, we were in um, <laughs> We were in Spain together. We took a trip over uh, to Algiers and, you know, stupidly just, why not? Next thing you know, we're in Libya. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Libya of the 90s, not of today, you know, the 2010s. <laughs> yeah. It was a different world, but you know, just traveling around and having some fun, uh, spending my hard earned illegal cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it went to good use, you know, chasing this fucking girl. I mean, I, I, hope, yeah, you, yeah. I, I hope you scored after all this. I mean, Germany, oh, yeah, bro. Was, all right, all right. Just, definitely a just nice making sure I got the wink back. over here after yeah. Germany and Libya. <laughs> shit. She should still be around after all that. Right. And then, right. and then you, uh, you learn a lot with that. And then you were doing some stock trading, right? You were messing with stocks. Yeah. So, um, from the gambling biz, uh, I hooked up with a buddy who in the early state, uh, years of online gaming, he learned the business down in Costa Rica and then he wanted to start his own outfit. He needed some seed money. So I, I worked with them on it. One of the guys who was uh, writing the code for the software for the site, um, I had a I had an idea, and uh, I asked him to help me out writing the code. I presented it to Washington Mutual. Yeah, I saw now Washington Mutual. They yeah. used his software. He wrote, yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. But they bought the idea just based off of my PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> You know, so I, I took some stock, cashed it out way before they went belly up and didn't just, you know, played it around, made some money off Beanie Babies, made some money off of Pets.com before oh they went God, belly up. Never Beanie Babies? It was the Wild West days wow. of the 90s of the Internet where you, you get in at the right time, you can jump out. And, you know, there were companies having IPOs just based on an idea and get in, get out. Take some illegal cash, put it in a stock stock market, yeah, you right. get out. Um, you know, wash the cash in that way. And it it was it was a time where something my grandfather used to say to me every time I had a crazy idea and I'm looking for an investor. Uh, I'm gonna be a part of this club or this club with restaurants raising cat cash and I'm I'm gonna get a piece of the general partnership by raising some cash for them. I'd take the idea to my grandfather and he'd always say to me, um, I'm too old to pick up a shovel again. You know, good luck to you. You can make it and lose it five more times, 20 more times over. I'm just too old to pick up a shovel again. And he made his money in real estate the old steady way. I had to respect it, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I'd still go forward with the idea myself and, you know, come back to him proud. Like, yeah, you look what I did, you know. Then he didn't know about the Ill illegal portions. He only saw the, you know, the face that I put up the front. Yeah. He saw the front. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I, yeah. You always listen to the grandfathers. Always listen to them. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they got yeah. those words of wisdom, man. Knowledge, man. Yeah. It was a real simple, steady head down. Look up. Oh shit. Now he has 10 more properties in his portfolio. And it's like, how, how'd you do that? 
steady, yep. <laughs> steady, incremental, incremental. There is no fast cash. Every now and then he'd hit a good hand at a poker tournament. Yeah, that's nice. That'll go towards a, another investment. And they're men, um, of, and they're men of few words. So when they talk, they're either pissed off or something that you need to listen to that you're going to take with you to the rest of the, of your life. And you just hope that it's sure. usually a, a good statement for the rest of your life and not an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the old timers on the yard. You, yeah. you know, they've seen it, you know, some of them very pissed off. Uh, I had one guy that I was actually in juvenile hall with. We, we had a cool friendship. Weren't the tightest. I didn't know at the time, but he had been tried as an adult, so he was given a life sentence, but allowed to be in juvie up until a certain age. And then he transferred over to state prison. So I get out. I'm out 10 plus years. I catch my adult case. I go to prison. When I get to Corcoran, I see him. And hey, what's up now? We're both you know, late 20s at that time. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. What's been up with you? Oh, I just got here. Where'd you come from? I just got busted. I'm, I'm I'm pretty fresh off the streets. I didn't know that he had been incarcerated the entire time. That guy didn't talk to me for about six months. He was pissed off. And when he finally did talk with me, he was like, yo, I can't believe you had an opportunity and you blew it. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, mean, like I had to respect it. He, he was hurt. Yeah, he yeah. was your friend. He was actually your real friend, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, after that, after, after he finally started speaking to me again, it was like, "Yo, I, I get it, but you got your walk and I got mine." Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, uh, something to take to heart, something to, to you know really sit with you. He had no anger, animus towards me to strike out. It was just he was he was hurt that yo you had a shot and you blew it. Yeah, well, you know, his life is gone, so he was probably hoping he'd see you somewhere in in the paper right. doing something, you know? Right. When you Completely. go back and you look at what you did with the stocks, what you did with Washington Mutual at that time is, uh, you know, that's very honorable. How different in business, you know, selling selling the software, when you take the illegal life, the criminal life, to the real world, is there much of a difference when it comes to closing a deal or making money. It's just one thing's called legal and one thing's called illegal. But the principles seem the same to me all the time. Yeah. I mean, you look at Bernard Madoff. Yeah. Um, that could be any street criminal uh, guy running a criminal organization. Um, you, If you still have that a part of you, no matter what you're doing, you're going to always, even in your legal venture, you're going to be looking for the, the creases. You know, where can I pinch here? Where can I pinch there? Uh, the beauty now in life is that the creases that I'm looking for, I'm looking, and then I'm looking for case law that says this is legit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Okay. Yeah, okay. Taxes. Where does this fall in the tax code? Right. The thoughts that I'm having right now, where do they fall? Um, yeah, there's there's guys that you'd see in prison that are their whole world is the scheme, the scam. Uh, my good buddy Rob, when we were working on the adaptation of my book, and we're going through character study, and he says, looking at certain characters, and he's like, you know, are there guys in there that 
you know, try to apply the 50 laws of power, the Machiavellian. I say, yeah, and they usually get stabbed, you know, all that. I think I'm some, you know, creative mastermind, blah, blah, blah. I said, it's, it's pretty pure in prison. Here are the rules. Don't steal, don't lie, you know, keep your word. Don't make a promise based on someone else's promise. Don't talk to the, you, you got these rules that are very clear. They've been set in the penal system for a hundred years in America. Day Old one. convict code. Don't so gamble. You come in, don't, gamble don't gamble and don't yeah. borrow. Don't fucking yeah. borrow. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> so if you come in when you think, oh, because of that, I've read 50 laws of power, yeah. 20 laws, whatever the books are, <laughs> and I'm going to apply all these. Oh, you're gonna good. get stabbed. Yeah, you are. He ain't lying either. Like you're gonna leave uh, yeah. the yard leaking. Mister uh, Law of Attraction comes in with with the fifty books that he's gonna push on everybody that's got fifty years yeah, to do. Give a f- <laughs> you know, yeah. he, nobody wants yeah. to read a book. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a way yeah. to get me the fuck out of here? If not, then go yeah, shove those books simple. up your ass, right? <laughs> yeah. The the rules have been set. Just fall in line. Yep. Keep your head down and, and walk forward. That's it. Now, when you're yeah, you know, you're in you go back to the bookmaking, but how does Joe Francis come up on your radar? How how does this all begin? Yeah. And don't give too much away because yeah. it's in your book which we're about which we're about to get to. It was written a little bit ago, but it's written well very well. It's easy to read. It's it's like action filled. I mean, this is going to be with 100% certainty a documentary, a series, something. For sure. It was written very, very, very well, Riley. Thank you. Yeah. How did Joe Francis and I, how did our worlds collide? <laughs> so <laughs> so coming out of Juvie, my, my old mentor, uh, he plugged me in with um, Maddie the Horse in the 90s. So I'd, I'd make trips for him. Pick up this bag here, take it there over the years. Uh, you know, you, as time goes on, you get more more opportunities to go further in crime, to be successful in crime, to get closer to those prison gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, I, I'm doing my thing. I don't owe anyone. There is no order ever given to me. It's, you know, hey, there's this opportunity. You want a piece of it. Yeah. Take a look at it. Make your decision. So. Go, we're, going, we're going into late um, 2003. Uh, I was called to a meeting, and the meeting was about a situation where a girl was down in Mexico, her and her, her buddies, and they're partying it up, 18 years old. They come across Joe Francis. They party with him. They voluntarily go hang out with him at his at his place. And um, one of the girls wakes up the next morning and she says, you know, I'm no longer a virgin. I didn't agree to this. So she, whatever outcry she makes to the authorities down there, it goes nowhere. There is nothing that can happen here in the States because jurisdiction. She tells her father, her father had connections with Maddie. Mm. That's when I get the call. And they, the father's position was he doesn't want the guy dead that would be an easy yeah they he wanted the guy to suffer in the same way that his daughter suffered uh with her having fear going forward 
uh, interacting with folks. I want, you know, his words, you know, every time this guy comes home, I want him to be wondering who's behind that door. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, simple questions. Uh, is there a time frame on this? No. Uh, I get to pick my own crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So that became the time for me plot. Now, I, I, I already knew Joe Francis at this point. He's he's already been a part of the L.A. You know, social scene. He's already partied around him, been to his house for after parties. Uh, we know a, a lot of the same folks. We're in the same world. And how big, um, what, how big was he at this time? And what else were you doing? You were doing the bookmaking still? Well, like, what was your life like at this time? Uh, crime 24-7. Okay, right. To, right crime 24-7. <laughs> was, you went, you yeah, went all the way the, in at this point. Yeah, it was the planning, the execution, or the cover-up. You gotcha. know, every day it was some some element of that of that of that world was going on. By this point, Joe Francis is already a household name. Okay, you know he's made his money by two thousand and three, and yet the videos were still selling. Uh, this is you know pre YouTube, pre Facebook, uh, even pre uh, MySpace. Um, yeah, he, he's living high on the hog, but folks around town already know who he is. In that he's a, you know, a scumbag. He has a bad reputation. Any girl that decides to hang out with him, she's looking to have a transactional situation. Will she get burnt before she can get what she wants? That goes for celebrities. That you know, yeah, we'll take a free flight on your jet. Yeah, we'll go to your party. Oh, free free coke, free drinks. Oh, celebrities. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they'll take the free the swag. So that was his entry into uh hollywood he you know bought his way in and a lot of folks love that you know he had this simple concept the girls were already down in these uh party towns going to show their tits and anyway he just happened to get it on camera so there was that like you know half-ass admiration like damn you you caught lightning in a bottle that's pretty cool um so his legal issues all came from which he had a lot going on at that time. He had just been indicted down in Florida um, uh, because he, he tried to get into the crease, you know, he tried to skirt laws that had already been on the books for many years regarding you're now stepping into the realm of pornography. And there are certain rules that have been laid. There are laws that are laid out. You're not following those rules. Oh, and by the way, because you didn't follow those rules, this girl here who's 17 was now in your videos. Now you're facing child pornography prostitution charges. Of a minor, right? Oh, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm just, yeah. So there's an example right there of, a, of someone trying to get in the crease, not following the law, and you find yourself now being uh, held accountable to the law. It applies to everyone. Um, so me, me figuring out at that time, it was just about when and where and how I'm going to uh, carry out the revenge for this girl. Uh, whether it was true, I don't know. She could have been lying. I doubt it. I doubt it because of my personal interaction with Joe Francis and folks that I know that had similar experiences. So it definitely was his MO. And when a uh, guy and when a guy's father like that <clears throat> like when a father like that who's 
let's just say connected like that comes to you with something like this, I can't imagine that it's bullshit. Right. Yeah. And they could have easily just sent a squad to hit him. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that speaks volumes, knowing who I'm talking with, knowing the access they have. And Riley, and and you know what else the guy said was that he didn't just want him taken care of. He wanted him tortured. He wanted him to suffer like his daughter. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, right, right. Just that statement alone seals the deal for me. Yeah. This guy had no business relations with Joe Francis. This wasn't a tit for tat because you burned me in business. Uh, Crazy enough. Joe Francis had burned plenty of people in business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure he did. To skip ahead a little bit, once I did have him as a captive, the entire time he was saying to me, <laughs> did Muhammad send you? Uh, the Muhammad he was referring to was Muhammad Hadid, Gigi and Bella Hadid's father. Mm-hmm. Oh, they were gosh. business partners on a venture, and... It blew up in some way. The he, day before I He was probably thinking, I wonder oh, how many minutes shit. I have left here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Right. So, you know, it, it was it was not oh, my God. place to say to him, no, just let him think whatever yeah, he wants. Man. And then he started, you know, throwing out other names, which tells me, oh, you oh, burnt wow. several guys. <laughs> you know, you, you don't know who fit me your way you could really fuck with them at that point oh yeah you could really <laughs> play some games yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh don't be a dirtbag that's the first rule i guess <laughs> so you like i said i i don't want to because the book is so good so so you get let's just say you get in and you film a night of what's going on this episode is brought to you by manscaped.com breaking news manscaped now sells beard products that's right they're once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new beard hedger pro kit from a beard trim to a fresh shave the technology behind beard hedger pro kit allows you to shave your signature beard look now you can finally use manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code mscs media for 20 percent off and free shipping no one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Cap it off with beard balm. The Pro Kit also comes with three different gifts. A beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code MSCSMedia at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code MSCSMedia. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, 
consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, aqua conversations, waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't think you need it? Try it free for a month and see. You're going to love it. You could be missing the best sex of your life. They say there's nothing sexier than confidence. And Blue True can help give you the confidence where it counts. Blue True wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code MSCS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code MSCS, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Right. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. Uh, you, well, I, I mean, it, it's just the the book is written uh, so well. It's uh, I tap to it. So you get in, you you find your way in, and as you find your way in, you know you're filming everything throughout the night, and again, it's so that you can use that film to blackmail him later or threaten him with that to go viral to use against him based on the fact of what you know he had done to this this man's daughter. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, how how the video would be used going forward? It, it's in your back pocket, you know. You it, it'll 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 stick around, um, along with like the cause to him for the you know the crime I committed it in two thousand four January. I wasn't arrested until March of '05, so he had an entire year where, long after the cops had like a cold case going on you know he'd get a call at two in the morning you know he was I, I constantly kept him at edge he'd get the call after i knew where he he was just partying at this club and i knew the group he was a part of you know making mention of that to where it's like fuck I, i'm under surveillance how you know this guy can return at any moment you're you're, so you're, mind, a, you're mind fucking him seven ways to sunday yeah, yeah, just constantly keep him on his on his heels, wondering, you know, is is this guy going to return? You know. Now, could you give us maybe one or two things that would have been in that video that would be blackmail enough where it would make him pay or think he's got to pay or torture him for the amount of time that you wanted to torture his ass? Uh <laughs> Yeah, well, the dildo, you know, in between the butt cheeks. Yeah. That, and so I, a little irony here, uh, you know how he would have the girls say their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Becky, I'm a girl going wild, blah, blah, blah. And he would, in the videos, pan over to their ID and their, their, uh, their permission slip. So I set it up in that same way where i'd show his face and have him repeat the line my name is joe francis i'm a boy going wild and i like it up the ass oh, and, shit. Then, and then panned over to his identification that was good um, but here's the here's the part that fucking threw me for a loop where i had to look around 
when he did it, I had the dildo sitting at his face. And you couldn't see on camera that he was restrained. Mm -hmm. But as the dildo was at his face, he just, on his own, on volition, starts blowing the dildo. And out. I looked around like, am I on fucking camera? What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> is the joke on me? I know. I would have been like, is this blackmail thing going to work? I mean, this guy's sucking the dildo right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to torture this asshole. He's, with, he's, right? he's, 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 yeah, he's pretty on board with this situation here. So. fucking experience there, buddy, huh? <laughs> right, right. So yeah. that was just one of those, this is a little too real for <laughs> yeah. real. <laughs> uh, yeah, this blackmail thing isn't going to work on him. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, gonna work. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. That was the 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 main goal of of filming it was to have something if if I needed it. So then you you uh, have it, you torture them with it, and then where does it go from there? Where it becomes an issue, or how does it become it, an issue? I guess. Um. So the the issue comes up once Paris Hilton gave him, hey, I heard that it was Riley who did this to you. You know, 10 months later after a party, um, her sister's birthday party. I was at her sister's birthday party in Vegas. Um, and Paris says that's where she heard from another guy, an associate of mine. Uh, for whatever reason, this guy would say this to her, uh, which... He's implicating himself because she says he told her right. that he's the one that ordered me. Well, that makes you the uh, mastermind. Right. <laughs> I get a life sentence. You get two life sentences. It, right. it just it makes sense. Because he would be but like the kingpin, right? Yeah. 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 So Jesus. come on. You know, let's go do. I did nine. You should do 18 then, right? <laughs> did, that, <laughs> so did that guy really tell Paris that? Did you ever find no. out? now yeah yeah i doubt i doubt it it just whatever she heard rumblings around town she took that to joe just almost in a throwaway conversation oh like under because her breath. That, yeah yeah at that time i had just helped her out in that her sister's home was burglarized and a lot of uh, video footage was taken and the crew that had, <laughs> the crew who had done the job, I get a call and I, I go to the the meeting and they had all of this jewelry and bags and uh, I keyed in on all of these mini DV tapes. There's something on there, so I, I buy the whole lot from the guys, and you know took a look at the videos and any good some ones interesting things with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Got that back to her, and you know she she knew that I knew what was on those videos. I didn't know if I had copies of those videos. So it became let's get Riley out the way. Oh, you know, it's better oh, if he's out the way. Wow! Oh, you should have said, Paris. I want twenty million, and yeah. this this is over. Oh, Otherwise, tomorrow it goes God, live. Right, yeah. I, I mean, Riley, we're you're, we're already in. I mean, we're already head deep. I mean, you could have got I, twenty, I, thirty I, I, million from that and oh, been on your way, pal. I, I got her the videos back, no charge at all. I guess that was the good deed or something. Oh no, God. that was <laughs> that was setting up for the next play. <laughs> oh, uh, what was the next play? Because I got to know why. Why in the hell you would give them back to her and just say, yeah, "Here you go. I found these for you." 
Yeah, because every month after that, I was uh, without me asking, I was getting a check for twenty thousand dollars. Understood. Uh, <laughs> Understood. So consistent payment. Okay. Good play. Long term. Yeah. Long term. Yeah. Long term. Yeah. Long term. Yeah. Because then you yeah, get so that forever. It, and it was and long, Very smart. Yeah. So her her getting me out of the way. Part of it is, oh, I don't have to pay the guy again, uh, and hopefully, if he has copies of these tapes, uh, if he's in jail. They'll never come out. Holy shit. So that led to everything. Uh, As the detectives at LAPD said, we had never heard of your name prior to her mentioning it to him. Wow. That's what started them to look at me as uh, the suspect in his case, which at that point was a closed case. That's crazy. This is crazy. Oh. This okay. Crazy. So now she brings this up. So now the investigation starts. Do you know that they're investigating you? No. They they got they started looking into me, you know, reviewing paperwork November of 04, which is now 10 months after the crime. Right. Uh, December I go to Japan for for new, Christmas and New Year's. I come back. I'm in Italy in January, I come back. So I've flown internationally. So my name wasn't on any, you know, wants or warrants databases because I came back in the States freely. Um, looking at, at all of the paperwork since they actually put together, you know, along with the U.S. Marshals, put together their task force and my address wasn't at my apartment address it was you know my grandfather's address and they scoped it out for weeks and never saw me there and luck of the draw you know that day that i happened to be at that apartment which not many folks knew i had that place um uh, you know i I started my book off talking about pulling into the driveway Mm -hmm. and you know seeing the the goon squad come from the skies that was a great way to start off the book too, you know, starting yeah. it off when the goon squad's right. there and oh. it's like, well, what happened? And then he goes right into I it. I just can't believe Darius Hilton, man. That's oh yeah. Crazy. She, fucked. she totally fucked him. Yeah. Good girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> great. great. Yeah. Civil servant. So then, so 10 months goes by. So then when did they come get you or when, when did they apprehend you? Um, or take March, us to how that went down the day that you were apprehended yeah March uh, 2005 um, I was working uh, um, I was consulting with this housewife from <laughs> Bel Air who was going through a divorce and uh, me and my guys had a security team because her and her husband very very tempestuous situation and she feared for her life so I, you know, I employed a lot of guys over the years, which is why, you know, at 2 a.m. I can still call up someone and they would come because a lot of guys paid paid bills, you know, off the gigs I threw them. So this one was a, le- a legit gig, uh, but she needed someone to handle conversations with the ex-husband that she couldn't have a lawyer handle. And that's where me and my guys came in. So I leave my apartment early going to her in Bel Air. Now, are you paranoid at this time? Good. Are you paranoid about things or anything? Nope. No reason to be paranoid at yeah. all. It, it's just, um, you know, on, uh, yeah, uh, cautious because I know where I live. I live in L.A. 
uh, I know that I can be touched. So I know, you know, I have my side piece. Will I draw it before whoever's coming at me gets to me? That's the day in the life, you know. But no more than so, a normal, regular day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal, just uh, basic oh. precautions, you know. Yeah. You pull up to a light. This car that's pulling up to the light beside you, you know, you're you're checking to see who it is. Is he going a little bit too fast? Is he about to push through that light as he sprays your car? Hmm. You're constantly head on the swivel. Uh, I get to Bel Air, take care of stuff. I come home. I'm heading home at about two o'clock. No reason to be concerned about anything in particular. Pull into the driveway and every day I have the same routine. I take the pistol, put it to my hip. But for reasons that I got to leave up to the creator, I didn't take the pistol and put it in my hip as I stepped out of the car. And I see the cavalry coming up, coming up the, the, the driveway. Had I had that pistol, my first reaction would have been to pull it, and it wouldn't have ended good for me. <laughs> yeah, that would have yeah. been good. Yeah. So then they take you. They did they give you bail? Um, no. So you know, earlier we were talking about uh, Darnell Riley. Yeah. So mm -hmm. on the on the warrant, the name is only Darnell Riley. My full name is Darnell Riley Perez. So on the warrant, it's Darnell Riley. Uh, and, you know, they, they put the warrant up to me. Are you Darnell Riley? Like, you know, if the name would have been on there, Freddie Jackson, I yeah. was still going to jail. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. As long as they got your body, which is why the book is what is real. The life and crimes of Darnell Riley, because I was charged in book under the name Darnell Riley. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. It's, just one of those technicalities, but, uh, you know, had my name been Tommy Jackson, I would have been in prison under the name Tommy Jackson, AKA whatever else, right. you know? Um, yeah, it just, because at that point I, I, I got bail, but I was already on bail for an out of state case oh. that was like three years old. So once the out of state, uh, courts found out that I was arrested, they put a no bond hold. I'm about to make bail here in LA. I call my bondsman and he's like, Oh, they just snatched your bond. Oh, uh, because you of the, yep, you got a detainer. Yep. That you was it. Sit. Yeah. So then you go into court, you get sentenced, they give you nine years, right? Um we we negotiated down. I didn't go to trial. I mean we in the preliminary hearing, which is a, a mini version of a trial to test the state's case. Uh, we were able to get the kidnap for ransom dropped. Oh, God. And at that point, as my attorney said, you know, now now we can negotiate. Uh, a big part of it is that the DA saw that they didn't have a reliable witness at Joe Francis. We tore him apart. Yeah. At the prelim. <laughs> you know, he, the guy is unable to tell the truth. And so he, he lied on little things. Once you've been caught in a lie. It's over. Yeah, the jury, the, the district attorney's position is we can't roll the dice going to a jury. My position was I can't roll the dice going to a jury either. Hell no. Hell no. no. Hell no. Because if you get yeah. convicted, you're getting, that's it. It's a long time. That's yeah. a long one. Yeah. 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 Spend the next 20 years, you know, wishing for an appeal happens on a technicality of some kind uh, versus 
we negotiated the deal down to 10 years, eight months, and I knew it was something I could live with. Number one, because I did the crime. Uh, the second part is I reasoned that I'd still be fairly young coming out. Uh, I'd still have a shot at a life, you know, coming out at 36, almost 37 years old. Uh, and if I survive in there with my faculties in order, if I don't get slashed on the face where I'm look deformed looking going forward, you know, I still might be able to get a girlfriend. <laughs> you know? uh, well, Germany, you know, I don't know. You there. took the one girl to, to, every, to Germany, Libya. to Libya. Libya. She's got to be around somewhere this broad. She's still right. She still should be game for an adventure, right? <laughs> one would hope, uh, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. That, but that was the, that was the reason, uh, all of the, the thoughts going into uh, taking the plea bargain. And my attorney who, you know, I knew prior to my arrest, you know, he gives me the pros and cons, and he says, you know, as your attorney, I, I suggest you take this deal. As your friend, I really suggest you take this deal. And that, that usually means don't be an idiot. Take the deal now don't because be we're idiot. not going to get another shot. Yeah. And yeah. I had just spent a year in the county jail, and over that year I had watched guys 19, 20 years old going to court. Oh, they offered me five. I'm not going to take it. They rolled the dice, go to trial. I don't know the circumstances of their cases, but you see them two, three months later, and it's like, yeah, I got 40 years. I got 20 years. Well, when they could have just Damn, taken the five. five. Yeah, because you wanted to be a tough guy. Yeah, yeah I've seen it too. Yeah. yeah. So take all the ego out of it. I listen to my counsel. I recognize it's tough for them. to. They, it's, t it's a tough battle for them, but all they need is uh, one, one good, one good, piece of evidence that the jury can't turn their eyes to. Yeah. And then you're not coming back from it. And what I thought was interesting was you were friends with heavy D and he happened to be the one guy that you could call from prison and he'd answer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Several buddies of mine that, uh, it, the list became much shorter yeah. as the years went it, on. It, all, it seems to be that way. Yeah. Instead of focusing on, Oh, my girlfriend left me. Oh, this dude's tripping. He, you know, he didn't take my call. I just put more energy into those that decided to stick around. There, I, there was no benefit beyond we're friends. Yeah. Uh, heavy, uh, Scotty Khan, good buddy of mine. You know, uh, he he kept encouraged me to write my whole time that I was in. Uh, I'd, I'd give him a call maybe every six months. Um, usually after I saw him on TMZ. Talking some crazy shit. I yeah. call him and you know, bust his balls about it. Um, but every time I call, he's, he he constantly asks, "What are you working on? What are you writing? You got to be writing. You got to be writing." Uh, I call Heavy D. We catch up, bullshit around. You know, right before he had passed, I had saw him on Law and Order, and the character he was playing. You know, he was like <laughs> the big guy from the hood. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool, interesting. Um, give them a call, bullshit with them. And, you know, it's just nice to have a, a lifeline to the outside world. And and what was the conversation that you had overheard or heard that he had with uh, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs that motivated you? What was it with that? Uh, we, we worked out together a lot. And uh, where he lived in Beverly Hills, uh, you know, that stretch of uh, Santa Monica, where it's like a park. Yeah. So we do our workouts and then we just catching up, bullshitting, shooting this shit. We go for a walk. And this is, uh, you know, he, 
very successful rapper, one of the first to become the head of a of a major label. Mm-hmm. Uh, Puffy used to be his intern. So, um, but then he wanted to get into acting. So he started getting smaller parts. He was in the movie Life. He was in this show, this movie. And then he got he got a, a, a decent role on the Tracy Morgan show, 2003, I believe it was. And he said he was, he was you know, happy, and he calls Puffy. His All buddy. excited, right, to tell him, hey, look what I got. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, Puffy tells him, you know, don't be fucking happy with that. Go make your own shit. Yeah. But this is how buddies talk to each other. Yeah. That's great. You got that. Now go get something else. Go make something else. Go make something of your of your own that's that's yours. You know. Uh that, that's that's something you would say to your boy, you know. Don't be just happy with this fucking crumb. You deserve more. Go work at it. Go get it. Don't be content. So you know, yeah. So relaying that story to me becomes where I was at that moment. I was I, like I said, I had just gotten bail from an out of state case and I was, you know, in a bad head frame. Like, yo, do I just take off and go to Cuba or Russia and just, you know, be a fugitive for the next couple of years? <laughs> so I was debating my options. Um, thankfully, I was able to get bail where I where I had those as options. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was his position was oh, you might have to go sit down for a couple of years. But, you know, if you run the warrants aren't going to go away. So, you know, here's where we stand. You know, what are you going to do? And then you start writing uh, the book. And, and when you get real serious with it, where, where, where you put your head down and you're really writing. My whole time in, I, I started, uh, I was doing a lot of note taking. Uh, just observations of different characters. Um, you know, this person is interesting. If it's interesting to me, someone else might find them interesting. And this scenario, the situation, it was uh, once I had gotten out, I laid out, you know, uh, a beat sheet, a, a map. And then I just took two weeks. I gave myself two weeks to write, uh, figured out the new word for Windows software after having been gone nearly a decade. And, uh, all right, I'm going to do this. And uh, I just went balls to the wall and like finished it in nine days. You know, wow, granted. Nine days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But granted, I, I lived the situation. So for me, having that beat sheet of what I, how I wanted to lay the story out, it was just flowing. There was, it was, it was effortless. Um, and then when I finished it, you know, you don't realize how deep into something you are in it until you get out of it. You know, like after the nine days I hit the end, <laughs> that's when the fucking the, the 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 mental drain hits you and you're like, oh, shit, I'm asleep for two days now because <laughs> I just went to war. You know, I'm going to get a little rest now. What's one of the you were in prison for nine years? What's one of the biggest things when you got out, like, was like, whoa, after nine years being in there, like, you know, the cell phone that we're at the iPhone, whatever we're at, or what was like one of the biggest changes you saw after serving nine years? Uh, yeah, we had cell phones in prison. So, you yes, know, right. <laughs> we were we were pretty up on things. Uh, I got out on a Monday and um, I come from a boxing community, so I can just go back and through the boxing gyms. And everyone's, hey, what's up? So my my buddy Jerry, he was one of my trainers for years. 
he had a fighter fighting on the Mayweather undercard. Mayweather Maidana won. Um, so I get out on a Monday. I'm not supposed to leave the state, but Thursday I'm in Vegas for the fights, you know, for the weigh-in and all that. And, um, you know, I make my calls to different folks. Hey, I'm in town. I don't even have a driver's license yet or identification. I got the paper ID from the DMV. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just enjoying being out and I'm tripping out over. Wow. Interesting. And I see all the hip hop guys coming. We're at the MGM for the weigh-in and I see all these youngsters in fancy cars and you know, they're looking good. And I actually found myself laughing like, Oh, that's interesting. This is very cool. You know, um, you know, you would have been a mark years back, but yeah, I'm looking at it so far removed from the old me, so to speak, to where I'm just looking at it and I'm laughing like, oh, this is interesting, you know, and then I'm at the weigh in and I'm trying to lay low and uh, Mayweather's weigh ins are like a big concert. So he has two chains and a couple of other guys performing and these young girls that are behind me. Uh, two changes performing. I didn't know who he was, so I asked him. I said, "Hey, who is this guy?" Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you've been gone. Yeah. Like, ah, I, oh. I've never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never heard of him. I, he has good music. Thanks. You know, so I, I, I was just enjoying looking at the characters that seem to be in a rat race, um, and not going anywhere in particular. Yeah, you know, folks peacocking and just you know look at me look how fancy and i'm like cool with the, rock do- on. With the dollar in the bank account right 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 yeah. i didn't have much care i was enjoying seeing friends of mine uh i went to vegas i probably had like 50 bucks in my pocket i don't need any money on me i'm i'm live i lived a spartan life for many years at that point so i'm like i don't need much money my buddy got it i left with a couple of envelopes so let's get back going. You know, I didn't go buck wild with anything. It's just very simple regimen in life. I'll just stick to my, my plan. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. Just stuck to my plan. Yeah. We, we have your book up here now. You can get it on Kindle, uh, paperback. Again, it's a really good read. I mean, it starts off right away. The description on January 22nd, 2004, Ronell Riley broke into the home of Girls Going Wild founder Joe Francis. Throughout the night, he filmed blackmail video and arranged for payments so that the video didn't go viral. Uh, again, a great read. Kindle, paperback, you got to get it. Um, and a big thing that when <clears throat> when I was reading it, that people don't realize is Keefe. I know you know what Keefe is. And with all these private prisons, and then on top of the private prisons, you have privately owned commissary. Mm. And then on top of the privately owned commissary, when you get out, if they give you, you know, stuff to do when you get out, those classes are all privately owned. So everybody's making money left and right. And uh, we have uh, the company Kefi up, and they distribute to 678 million inmates a year, which is probably a lot. It's probably like... Double that. No, I'm sorry, 658,000. I'm going to say more than that in the U.S. Right. And it's saying that they're worth 400 million. But th- let's just say that that's somewhat accurate. Keefe okay. has control over all of the federal prisons, the state prisons, the county. They got the private ones getting built left and right all day long. 
Now you just did a decade in there and they're building more mm. and it's the same shit going on. How do you correct the prison system? Because like the name says of the book, which there's a lot more to it than just prison, but what is real? And when I look yeah. at it, what I see is just a money-making machine totally. and targeting, target, targeting specifically the hood. And yeah. especially in Florida, because whether you think the vaccine's good or bad, whatever it may be, forget about that stuff. In Florida, if you go to the county jail, if you get the vaccine, okay, no matter what you believe, where you stand, whatever, they give you $35. Now, who do you think is going to go take that vaccine for $35 to put that on their books. The lower class, you know, guys that are in there for dumb charges, trying to feed their baby, whatever it may be, 35 bucks, they get the shot. They don't know. Nobody really knows what long-term effects, but who does that pry to? More money to be yep. made because every time that person takes the shot, big pharma comes in and gives the jail two grand. So you see it everywhere all around. You just lived it for 10 in Cali, you know, of all places. <laughs> you know, it's like they're probably handing the shot out out there. But you right. know, how do you fix this at all? Because there's so much money and power. And you know and I know there's no rehabilitation. There's nothing going on in there other than guys getting together, looking for their next move. And every once in a while, you get a guy like yourself that gets out and actually changes their life. Yeah, um, I'd say the big one of the biggest problems is drugs. Okay, um, who are the movers and shakers of the drugs in prison? The gangs, the gangs, street gangs. That once in prison, it becomes about the racial connection with that gang: black, white, brown, um, Asian, and beyond. Who's going to control the drug trade? Um, but th it, that gang association, I saw so many white guys, no gang association at all. I was a, I'm a criminal. I was a bank robber. They come in, they have to fall in line with the order that has been set. They have no say in the matter. Uh, out of all the white guys, I'd say 3% have that racial bend, the Aryan Brotherhood mentality. Everyone else is just following in line because I don't want to get killed. That's pretty much the lay of the land. Same for Hispanic population. There is the gangs that run everything. And, you know, you fall in line with your ethnic identity. And everyone else just falls in line. But most guys in there would rather not have to deal with it. California in particular, I believe that California could solve a lot of the uh, problems of violence in prison. If they said, look, there's 30 something odd prisons. These five prisons are going to be a, a gang free zone. Who wants to go there? You talk to who you want to all the bullshit politics that we put on ourselves that we follow, you know, in these prisons doesn't exist here. Who want, those, pr those five prisons would be filled immediately with guys transferring over because they see there's the way out. Now, workers still have problems as a man. That's never going to go away. We're going to have conflict. You, know, you got conflict with your family and close bodies. That's always going to exist, so there's going to be bullshit. But to know that that gang element isn't sitting you know, over their head, a lot of guys would jump at that opportunity. So 
what would that allow them to do? There are some legitimate rehabilitative programs in prison. The problem is I saw plenty of guys uh, in the welding program, for instance, uh, programs that they could become like master level, like in a two year period. But because of the lockdowns that happen all throughout mm -hmm. shit that doesn't involve them, it's taken them six years to finish these courses. Mm -hmm. Every dude I knew that was in that course or in the construction trade or even dudes that were like in a janitor program, like they'll buff the shit out of a floor to make it look like you're walking on glass. That's a skill set that, you know, translates into a decent paying job in society. Um, um, basic computer classes, literacy classes that are in there. You just can't finish them because there's lockdowns going on for the gang shit that you have nothing to do with. But everyone that I knew that was serious about getting a trade that I've kept in contact with since is working in that trade. Master welders that are now hundred some bucks an hour, you know, boiler makers. Uh, one guy I know who travels as a welder, you know, the different places on contracts and all doing very well in life, has a legitimate uh, bona fide uh, trade. That's not going out of style. Guys that were in the heating vac program, those are damn well-paying jobs yeah. that aren't going away. No matter how much technology uh, comes our way, you still need to cool off those servers. Guess what? You need that heating vac guy to make sure that yeah. air conditioning is constantly running. So th there's plenty of trades in there. But the people that it, you had mentioned, those are the people that, went through the 17,000 call slips, kept signing up, waited on the waiting list, dealt with the shit that if you don't have three years, you can't do this class, you can't do that. Right, right. Those were the ones yeah. that stayed with it for the six years to finish it. But what about the kid who's coming in off the street that knows no better than the street? Supposedly jail is supposed to be rehabilitating, but if you're not that guy willing to constantly be putting in slips constantly be signing up, talk to somebody, to your counselor a hundred times to the point where they just put you in so you stop bugging them. If you don't make that effort, in my opinion, you're just going to sit there for three years, wait till you get out and do better. If you're going to call this rehabilitation and you're going to build 90 of these motherfuckers, then the second somebody comes in, it should be mental. Right away, a mental evaluation and real therapists or whatever's yeah. needed and put them right in. Forget this waiting list waiting list you're building a jail in america every other week huh. waiting list ship them you know whatever yeah. if if it's really rehabilitation you walk in the kids 22 got hit with crack okay what can we do he knows how to count he knows how to weigh right <laughs> i mean seriously so put him in fucking math i mean but you grab him right away and show him look yeah i mean it sounds funny but look you didn't mess up weighing the cracker you'd be dead so you did right. good there Look what else you could do in life. Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, really? I mean, it's funny, but that, I mean, I'm just a crazy person. That's what I would do. I, I would get him. I get him into fucking like stocks. You're yeah. talking like the high school guidance counselor, which is what the the counselors in prison are supposed to be. Uh, you uh, know? Yeah, supposed right? to be. Supposed to be. Right. Right. So, but they're, they're, they're it, part they of the problem. They come in for an hour and walk out. I'll tell you. Right. And, uh, you know, when you said you put in the slips, that took me back. Oh, like, man. I, you know, I forgot man. that Fuck. term. I haven't man. heard it in so long. Uh, but, yeah, you, <laughs> it's like uh, the first rule 
from the administration's point of view is safety and security is paramount. So if folks are getting stabbed all the time, it's like we can't get to that next level. They have to bear a large part of the uh, blame because, like I said, if if out of the 30 something odd prisons in California, if these five were considered gang free zones, you want to get education, you want to get rehabilitation programs. This is where you go. Those places would be filled immediately. Right. Um, And those places would probably be the uh, least violent out of all the prisons because. Hey, yo, I, I, I got a class, man. I, I got to study. You know, I'm busy. I'm tired now because I've been in, you know, in woodshop class all day long. Um, if guys see that they have an, an option. Yeah, I'm going to do this 10 years regardless. What will I have to show at the end of it? Yeah, and, and put them in that counselor's office and say, look, if you do A, B, C, and D, you can walk out with a $25,000 a year job with the potential to go to whatever. And then if it was real, real, real rehabilitation, the day you get out, they'd have something lined up, even if it's $9 an hour so that you don't even, you don't, so that the least amount of time is available for the person to think about, oh, well, I'm yeah. going to go back to that. Although like then, just jam it right down then, there. Then they don't get the repeat customer. They want the repeat customer. Well, right, right, man, right, right. Repeat. Come yeah. on back. Hey, we... Right. I mean, the, it's set up so you go <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. I mean, they, they right. throw, I don't know yeah. how it is in Cali, but the feds and other states, right. I mean, they'll throw everything at you possible where you almost got to be, <laughs> you got to be a, uh, it's got to like, be like a genie it, to get through it. It's like ordering that magazine. It says $25 a year and then you forget it to cancel it. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. I got $25 charged again. And nah, I'm not going to cancel. Right. 25 gigs keep making their money yeah yeah it's the life or installment plan yeah um yeah the post post release support from the state is not there uh i mean look if i didn't have the friends and family that i had coming out um this is what i would have been faced so you get the 200 dollars gate money uh your 40 dollar uh, um greyhound ticket is purchased out of that in, Cal- okay, now in California? In California? In California, yeah, oh, yeah. Add the tax on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, I'm down to 160. Okay, to do anything, I need an ID. <laughs> I, that's 50 back. bucks at the DMV. Right. You know, uh, so I'm down now to 110. Let's not forget but, about the carbon-free lift that you need to take in California. Everywhere yeah, you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. But where am I going to stay? Yeah. Okay, I go to an emergency shelter, maybe. Mm. It, there is no infrastructure for post-release whereby one can go into uh, rehabilitative post, post-release because I'm still subject to being taken back in, which means I'm still under your care and your supervision. But without any family or friends' assistance, I'm pretty much homeless. Yeah, that's insane to me. That's crazy to me. Yeah. So uh, we still have, tell us another uh, good story because there's so many in there. Give us another good story. We have uh, RileyPerez.com up uh, from what is real. Give us another good one that, that you can think of out of there. Uh, I can name them, but I don't want to pull them all. <laughs> I, w- I would say um, out of all of, the, um, all of the racial animus, county jail, for instance, all the gang bullshit, uh, there was a w- one guy who 
he and his crew were like uh the goon squad type of characters oh boy and um we're in a, a dorm setting i don't know about 150 folks in the dorm and so he, you know he's gonna pray he and his boys are gonna prey on their enemies yeah. maybe if their enemies were equal in number they wouldn't go at them but of course it's only one or two of them let's get them and over the weeks i saw them you know like body snatchers but they knew who to they knew who to go after um but then as as a couple of weeks went by the leader of that crew he was uh he looked a bit morose he was he was different he wasn't rolling out with his boys at night anymore um a couple of nights goes by little little different when the doors unlock huh <laughs> yeah yeah a couple of nights go by we're in a dorm open open uh open air dorm a couple of nights go by and then um you know you hear that call man down oh, was... you know you know you know it's not you know if you hit me if you stab me i go down no one's gonna call man down man down is because for inmates he's having a medical emergency that's not criminally mediated you know get help here so he's a black guy but i saw two hispanic guys and another black guy he had hung himself they're shouldering him to get him off that noose Jesus. Yeah. Oh. so there was the humanity you know yeah yeah hmm. moments like that you know he's 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 already who knows what he's going through uh he's striking out so you know he's projecting all of his anger, all of his pain about his case, his personal situation, and whatever happened, clearly he didn't want to deal with it going forward. He decided, I'm out of here. And that was it. But them bringing him off, uh, showing that it's no longer about race, all the gang stuff to the side. So the cops wouldn't enter the, um, they wouldn't enter the dorm because they don't know if this is a setup. We could be luring them in to attack them. So they're telling the inmates back away. But they didn't leave the guy until uh, like the color returned to his face. Then they let the cops come in. The cops dragged the guy out because they still don't know that this might be a setup. We've done it before. You know, <laughs> yeah. they get him out and, you know, they toss him on a gurney and he goes on. But it's like everyone in the place. It's that moment where. Yo, we were just in a riot against each other a week ago, but now it's like, oh man, everybody still came together even in that horrible yeah. of a situation. Yeah, yeah, and, and that shows so. that. And I'm glad you brought that one up because that shows that we all have hearts. You know, no matter what somebody did, at the end of the day, they're all everyone's a you know a son or a daughter to somebody. You know what I mean? And everyone has feelings. Yeah. No, I think it's yeah, forgotten the, about the situation that, you know, you, sometimes you have to rise to the occasion for it to be, you know, seen. Some folks live it daily or try to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hero, but it becomes, <laughs> I can't let that moment pass and I don't get involved. Right. Now, well, go ahead, Rob. How, how much do you think the uh, internal prison system itself, between <laughs> the guards, between the uh, you know guy, the guys in charge of the prison, is corrupt? Meaning, you know, they're selling drugs, they're letting stuff happen in the prison. What would be your guess, percentage-wise? How much do you think? 
uh, <laughs> tough to quantify it. I mean, yeah. there, uh, I mean, you, you, you could speak to this, like, you know, you, as an inmate, you can appreciate the cops that, that have that position. You got nothing coming, but accept what you have coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're the hat, the hard ass who's searching all the time, who's not letting you slide on anything, but you know what to expect from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you have the cop that are looking to make some cash on the side. Um, you know, you got a $40 uh, burner phone from Walmart that you could sell for 800 in the in the joint for a cop. That's a hell of a markup. And, um, you know, a couple of those a month, you know, I can upgrade that boat. You know, I can go from the apartment, possibly the two years of savings. I got a down payment. So they, they have a lot of um, uh, opportunities and the phones and the phones are coming in through the cops mm-hmm. because you're visit. You know, I've seen our articles about <laughs> the inmate population, the visitors. The visitor's gone through like two screenings. They're not bringing a phone in. It, let's let's be real about it. Uh, which is why the California Prison Guard Union they fought against uh, their staff from being searched coming in. Oh. Well, I thought it was about safety and security. Like, what if that cop is bringing in a pistol to help me break they out? Search them. Well, they won't search them because uh, it will take too much time and they have to start their shift, say, at 2 p.m. So if I come in at 140, you're going to you're going to search me. I now but I got to I got to get dressed. Oh, you want me to come in at 130, but my time don't start to two. So it's that haggle of when are you actually on duty? You know, you can't require me to come in 20 minutes before my shift because that's called I'm now on the clock. Yeah. (laughs) So my our guys shouldn't have to go through these strenuous searches, these extensive searches that, like, say, the visitor population has to go through. And and Riley, Uh, tell tell them about the veterans, the ones that got like 15 years in. They they're not they're not starting until two o'clock or three o'clock. It doesn't matter. They're not moving. As long as I walked on the state grounds at that time, I'm at work. Yep. You know, so so they fought <laughs> against what should be like a common sense. We're all on board here if it's about safety and security, because uh, you know the right amount. You, the cop who's making seventy grand a year, right. the right amount. You'll bring me in a, a pistol. Right. Yeah, that I cop brings in. A half gallon of whiskey. Riley will tell you. He brings in a half gallon of whiskey a week and two cell phones. My That's guess. more than he makes at his job. That's three times what he makes yeah. at his job. Right. Yeah. What And worse off than the guy being motivated by money is what if he's motivated by ideology? That's where it gets weird. Yeah. And, yeah, I can, uh, from a rational standpoint, finances, I'm not going to bring in the uh, – the drugs this week because it's a little hot around here you yeah, know? Yeah, they're yeah. on to something right yeah. but uh, from an ideology perspective i'm i fully bought into whatever this 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 system is that i want to be a part of this cause right all rational thought to decide i have a mission i have to carry it out so they really should think about that part 
Right, what, what's going to happen when you have a prison break? You know, just like in Pennsylvania, I guess a, a month or so ago, you had that prisoner that escapes. He climbs up the wall like a spider, and he's gone. They catch him a week later. He gets caught with an Eagles uh, hoodie on, and it's national news. Like, how does that happen? Is it is it a uh, guard in love with him or a breakdown? How does that happen? Ah, uh, shit. I mean, you... you you're not that lucky. I right. mean, that every security element right. is uh, asleep at that moment. Bob wire fencing, uh, concrete walls. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite possible. I don't know the case in particular, but you know, like in the situation Escape from Dynamore, uh, the show with uh, Benicia del Toro a couple years ago. Yeah, that was about the guys escaping from the prison in upstate New York just need, you know, a couple of, (laughs) a couple of, you know, getting in the creases, you know, a cop deciding to turn a blind eye once and twice and three times. If there's a financial incentive. All right. Uh, Even worse. If one ideal ideologically is like tied in, in love, then um, it it can get it can get pretty nasty, you know. You think about like what A- Angela Davis and uh, uh, with George Jackson in California in the, in the late '60s. Um, you know, they tried to take over a courthouse, right. and then he tries to break out of San Quentin Supermax. Uh, he got a pistol smuggled into him, but security. Uh, was much different back then, but here you have, you know, from just pure ideological positions that I'm really about this cause. That wasn't a money situation. There was no money play. Uh, I'm fighting against the system as legit as his, his position might be or not. That's not the issue. It's just, there's right there where this was not about money. It was about the cause and I'm willing to give my life for it. It was said that his attorney snuck the pistol in. Hmm. But this guy gets back to eat, uh, to the East Max portion of the prison, and he pulls the pistol out and takes over the corridor. Jesus. You know, racks the doors for his guys to come out, and they went to work. Several cops are killed, several inmates that were killed, and then he has the bright idea that he thinks that he's going to make it out. Well, you have like 10 more layers of security, he makes a run for it and gets popped in the in the uh, open courtyard. And I I hear about it a lot, especially in California, where the guards, whatever whether it's federal, state, or county, whatever you want to be, the where it gets real bad is when the guard starts to think that they're part of the Crips, the Bloods, whatever it may be, and now. They're a guard, but like you said, they're taking on that ideology because maybe they got cupcakes thrown at them in high school and now they want to be something, but now they're there. I mean, truthfully, and then now they think that they're a crypt, so now they're doing all this stuff for them, and then it gets real weird. And I see a lot of those articles happening in California. Yeah, I've been working on this documentary for since I've been out nearly 10 years at this point. Uh, a deep dive, a case that I came, it came to my attention when I was in, where a correctional officer was killed in Chino Prison. 
uh, by a black inmate. A couple of months later, his brother-in-law was a sheriff deputy. He was killed by a Hispanic gang member. Um, and when it first happened, the two gangs that were involved, the black gang, East Coast Crips, the Hispanic gang, the Hawaiian Gardens, I'm watching how, I'm in the county jail at the time, I'm watching how the cops are responding. If those guys were on the main line with us, they were getting snatched, going to no man's land. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, so the sheriffs that control L.A. County, uh, before you become a sheriff on patrol in the community, you work the county jail for two years first. And they have their gangs, the 3,000 boys. Uh, uh, that's the different floors in the county jail. They've been known to be the regulators, right? You have the various sheriff la sheriff uh, gangs within the you know we just had a real uh, an election with the where villanueva was voted out oh yeah I just and the that. new guy yeah the new guy that's in you know his mandate is break up these gangs these sheriff gangs so in following that story i i knew there was a connection there's something more than these are just two separate events horrible for this family two losses in that you know in that violent manner but there's something to it and i stuck with the story for years mm -hmm. and i eventually was able to uncover that these two murders were connected Isn't uh, connected wow. yeah so uh, when i'm in the county jail i saw for myself and you know was subject to uh, a lot of these guys that are sheriffs the big initiative was we need more black and brown. We need more representation of our community. Okay. So the recruitment was, come on, black and brown members of our community and Asians and come on. So the currently the LAPD, I think the majority of the cops on the force are Hispanic, representative of the population here. Um, so not everyone is going into it taking that oath you know with even, a pure heart evenly we could say evenly uh, right even <laughs> yeah so i mean i've been witness on the transport buses from downtown lockup county jail going to a wayside a satellite jail 30 miles away and i've heard the inmates the hispanic inmates talking to the cops who are on their side Yo, what's, you know, getting the, the update on what's going on. I heard there's been riots going on there. And you're like, wow, guess I'm fighting a war on two fronts at this point. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whichever right. group you might be in that's, you know, in opposition. Yeah. Um, so you, they come from the same neighborhood. They come from the, does that exist with blacks and white inmates and white staff members? You'd imagine. We're all human. It's not right, like we're, right. you know. These guys are angels. These guys are all fallible. Yeah. You, you find this episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. Find somebody of your own, basically, in that situation, and then you get cool with them, and yeah. then one thing leads to another. Yeah. And then it, at that point, it's like, I'm the criminal. We're the criminal element. We're supposed to try to pervert you. You're the one that took the oath. Yeah. Honor your oath. You're not supposed to I fall for it, buddy. The, 
<laughs> yeah, I took the oath to the criminal element. I'm honoring mine. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you, you took the oath to uphold, when you go to release what is real, you write it. You know, you got a lot of names in there. You know, a lot of big ones. Any concern of lawsuit being sued, all that other anything with that? Ah, uh, no. You know, attorneys. I had to go through that. Of course, yeah. Uh, I had to justify every aspect of it. You mean you had to go through that so, bill? Yeah. You had to go through that bill, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, reach out to folks and touch some hands. But uh, for the publisher, you know, wanting to make sure certain sticky, uh, are, are you exposed here legally? Um, working through, okay, this is where I stand here. I feel comfortable with it. All right, it's your funeral. Let's go. It's your funeral. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I probably would have said the same thing to you, you know, in a nice right. way. So it comes out, right. any any backlash, any calls from anybody, anything wild after you release the book? Um, I've gotten support from Hispanic gang, black gang, Bloods, Crips. Good for you. Guys I, guys I know and guys that have heard me on podcasts talking about it because uh, even where I give uh, my assessments of this Southern Mexican gang, what their whole objective is and how I see how ignoble it is, how puny they are, how predatory they are. Um, I've had plenty of them that have said to me, I was pretty fair, what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a part of this hypocrisy. You nailed it. I was fair in my assessment, um, my assessment of the black gangs and the structure and this and that. I just gave a fair assessment of what I saw and you know what I lived and um, not to be, I, I didn't approach anything in a, in a nasty manner, no animus, like I'm trying to degrade, you know, our acts in there does it all on its, on its own. I don't need to add any more to it. I just have to describe this world, these situations, the players that are in it. And uh, by the time you finish that read, you're going to say, oh shit. This is some dirty fuckers, and I never want to go with that route. Yeah, and you never, well, um, you, you never acted like you were better than anybody, or that you had it all figured out, or you're some, you know, change guy that, you know, gee, you never think about the old life. You, you know, like, you know, like some people do, ten, fifteen years, and they act like they never thought about the fifty million that they made dealing drugs. You know what I mean? You never thought about that as you're living in your apartment now, you know, driving your Toyota. Okay. Give me a break. Right. You, know, you didn't change that uh, much. <laughs> right. Know? Right. It, you know, I, so the, how, uh, where I in, in the book chronologically, I'm about at the two, two and a half year mark of my incarceration. So I had another seven years to go that I didn't write about, uh, but I decided to end it. Smart move. <laughs> yeah more shit happened yeah. <laughs> i decided to end it Part there two. right uh i decided to end it there because by that point you as the reader you will have been with me for my year in the county jail fresh in the shit taking my plea bargain transitioning over to prison where i know this is my next eight nine years of life right away i'm in the shit you know, you got to get on the board. I take care of business, rolling, rolling, rolling. I now get transferred to the yard that I'm going to spend the next seven years. 
And uh, going to that yard, you know, the, the crew I was with were the others. Uh, my guy, my big homie tells me, because I'm about to be transferred from A yard to B yard, uh, level four to a level three. And he asked if I would take a, a kite over, not for our crew, because I have an obligation there, but for another crew, the, uh, the blacks. And he tells me the guy you would be taking it over for is a BGF guy. It would be going to another BGF guy. And, and a he kite, says and you a have kite no is a letter, a note, just so everybody knows. A yeah. kite's a note, yeah. letter, it's a way to pass a message to somebody else. Completely, yeah. yeah. Uh, he tells me you have no obligation. He's not in our crew. He says, but this would be a good move for you. Because going over there, you're going to now know who BGF, Mexican Mafia, Aryan Brotherhood, even though they exist on the main line. Once the administration finds out, they go to the hole forever. Yeah. So they, any guy, any guy who is in that organizational structure is going to, you know, keep a low profile. You'll notice how his crew responds to him, but he is probably the quietest guy, the most under the radar guy on the yard. And he's calling all the shots. Mm -hmm. So that was my guy's rationale to me. You're going to know who that guy is over there. You'll have an ally going forward. If we ever get into it with the brothers, you got somebody to go talk to to hash it out. We don't have to go to war. Uh, they far outweigh us, out outnumber us anyway. You don't want to go to war with them. All right. So I, I took the kite over. I meet the guy. I give it to him. It it made it. It got to its destination. I'm in the clear. <laughs> I meet my crew, my guys. Uh, I come out for the yard the next day, and I'm looking at everything. I'm now on B yard. I just came from A yard. Hmm, it looks the same. Ah, same people are around. Hmm, how about that? Interesting. And I just I comment on, damn, it's hot. It's another day. Tomorrow that, is going to be the same thing. Yep, that was. And the, the point. next day is going to be the same thing. <laughs> yep. Someone really might get idea. stabbed three days from now, and it's the and same even thing. When they get, it, well, yeah, when they get stabbed, no one's surprised. You already knew it was going to happen. Just you're going to be laying on that hard concrete, and that sun's still going to be beaten down. And when that happens, you're going to say, "Damn, it's hot." It's the same thing every day. Now, how how much more dangerous do you think it's become over the past, uh, let's say, four years, three and a half years? with the open border and gangs and cartel and who knows where some of these people are coming from, how much more dangerous has, you know, California, any of these places gotten? And then the prison system, because now they get these guys, they throw them in there. Like how much more dangerous do you think it is? Yeah. Um, well, we're seeing it, you know, in, in the rise in crime, right. uh, who it's attributed to, you know, we can go to the stats and see, um, uh, the drain on the system, there's going to be more of it. Uh, that drain is going to uh, create victims. You know, if the um, if the authorities are busy because of an uptick in crime over here, that means that this area is unsecured. Uh, response times. You know, when the George Floyd riots of 2020 happened, uh, I got caught in the middle of it. The day that it happened, I'm, I'm coming back from the beach. Um, 
I got my dog. I got shorts and flip-flops on, no shirt. I'm in the car with my dog. And the mob just took over Beverly Boulevard, all four lanes. I, I had no time to try to go down a side street. And the first couple of hundred folks that pass, um, respectful. I see a good collection of middle-aged folks, young folks, with kids, without younger folks. Then as it kept flowing, and I can go nowhere, I can't pick my car up and run off, uh, folks start becoming more belligerent. Get out the fucking way. I'm like, interesting okay <laughs> more people it starts getting more crazier folks are now talking shit to me as if i've done something right, right? Like, like instead of get the fuck out of the way motherfucker get out of the way <laughs> right and the next thing you know <laughs> some guy bangs on my trunk the trunk of my car uh i just immediately threw it in reverse and cracked his ass right <laughs> uh, i could see a little redhead kid i jump out with my knife I'm old boy scout, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to gut someone because you're trying to make me a victim. You know, right. Uh, I look like the person. I look like the people that you say you, you're here uh, marching for. You're not going to make me a victim. Luckily, there was some young guy who was prepared. He had like a water bottle, uh, a fire extinguisher on his backpack. And he's like, bro, get back in the car. I'll clear the way. Fair enough. All right. He clears the way. We thank each other. And I drive off. I immediately call the cops and report. Yeah. In the event I, my plate was taken. <laughs> yeah. But the, at this point, the uh, gas station's on fire. It's going crazy. The whole city's down burning. And uh, having been through the plenty of riots in prison, having been through the 92 riots in L.A., I'm thinking, surely the cops are about to shut this down. Next thing you know. Wait, 10 co LAPD cop cars were uh, burnt down, abandoned and burnt down on Sunset Boulevard. Ah, so they allowed this to happen. Hmm. Whatever, whoever made that call, the mayor, you you reasoned, uh, let's let it burn itself out. But what's going to happen in the process? My business is going to get burned. This person is going to be victimized. Uh, folks I knew that lived in Beverly Hills up Roxbury, uh, two in the morning in that first week, a mob of characters uh, screaming out, eat the rich. They go to the cops the next day, the police station. Cops say, yeah, uh, you know, we respond to crime. Uh, my suggestion is you get a gun. Wow. Yeah, we respond to crime. We can't, we, we every now and then we prevent crime, but you have an obligation to protect yourself. Why do you think they let that George Floyd? Why did they let that go on? What 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 was behind that? What was really behind that? To allow that to happen to set that up for what? Well, good intentioned people on in one aspect who um reality is now catching up with ideology. Right. Uh That's and the reality is you can appease uh someone hell bent on killing you, death, destruction. It's the Otis uh, battle. Those that have a stake in society and want to preserve it, those who don't, and they seek to destroy it. So for anyone that thinks you're going to be able to negotiate, you let that happen. You in further embolden those characters. You embolden. Um, <clears throat> you embolden. Yeah. Heavily embolden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what the city of Beverly Hills did, you know, they were hit pretty hard initially. 
So by the second day, they put a picture on their Instagram where they had the quick response team from the Department of Corrections, the correctional officers, and they took a photo with the, the family. CEOs? The fucking CEOs? Yeah, they came down. <laughs> That's yeah. And, uh, yeah, they came down and they the, the, the caption said, hey, hey, looters, we're ready for you to return. Mm. Um, I applaud that because having been in plenty of riots in prison, their response is shock and awe, hit hard, hit fast. You have to quell the uprising or it's going to burn out of your control. There is no, oh, we'll just let it go for a minute. They'll stop. Yeah, but Riley, well, I, I don't know why you're shocked. They weren't in the prison. We're talking outside of the prison now. That's why. Riley, come on, man. I'm right. disappointed in you on that one. Right. That's why they're, I'll, they're, I'll they're outside. If they're inside, Riley, you got two seconds to have that bed made in, in bunk and on top of the bunk. Yeah. Yeah. You better you get in line. Get in you line. Know, get in yeah. line or get ran over. Uh, but at least there's something pure about that. You know, like their response to us rioting is because we rioted. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it's not just, hey, let's fuck up their day by, <laughs> they can search, they don't really need a reason to search. We don't have a Fourth Amendment right protections in there. They can search at any point. So um, most of what happens in there is in result to the fuck up your day. What we've done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's you, you, you can't allow crazy to go too far. Yeah. Even if you, the, you're well intentioned. Oh, they uh, the summer of love in in Seattle, where several blocks were taken over, business owners were being extorted, people that live in those buildings uh, walking through. Look, girls were raped. Yeah. I think it was two different folks who who died in that chop chas zone. You you can't allow that law and order once you once you decided to let this law pass. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked the other way there. You're compromised. Well, it's just uh, like you know you know say like when you start <clears throat> you take one bet one bet leads to two two leads to three then you get bigger then you start doing baseball then you you know it's just like anything else one little ah uh, it's okay yeah. this time and then next thing you know you you know you got gunfire and machine guns and you know yeah you, you have yeah. what we have yeah every every time i i speak to a, a younger audience at a high school junior high i give them that bedtime story type of storytelling once upon a time um i've never met a guy who started off robbing banks everyone starts off you know, a buck from mom's billfold. You go to the next level, you're still from the store. And if you get caught, your story is, damn, man, next time. Mm -hmm. It's always someone else's fault. Super optimistic. Yeah. Next time, if you got a crime partner, man, I got caught because this guy. Because of him. Well, how about, let's go back a step further. You got caught because it was fucking illegal. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then how, how much does it hurt when you look at like New York City, California, you know, you can go into Louis Vuitton, and as long as you have like twenty guys with you, you can steal up to what a thousand dollars, and they can't do anything. Like, yeah, you know, there's no repercussions for anything. So now it's like these kids, and it's a lot of times it's younger, younger kids, teenagers, early twenties. They're like, ah, fuck this, and, and they yeah. go in and they just brawl. Like, how how much of a, you know, the the lawmakers are 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 screwing everything. 
Yeah, I just think I got out of crime too early, I guess. Because <laughs> it's like, it's now legalized. Yeah, you right? hit it the wrong time. Wait, you're going to, they're actually making excuses for crime. So yeah. did I get out too early? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, well, you should have waited. I mean, if you would have waited until yeah. 20, when did he go in? You could have your own online store for uh, Louis Vuitton right. bags. Yeah, I wouldn't be uh, having you on the podcast. I'd be having you on the podcast to promote your new, uh, yeah. uh, what right. do you call that? What do you call that when you have extra stuff and you go? Shopify. No, like when you have, so you have like a Louis Vuitton bag and you don't want it anymore and you go commend it or something or like a bar. Oh, oh uh, commission. You, yeah. Like you give it to those stores. They buy it from you oh, and they resell it. I don't know what yeah, it's yeah. called, but yeah, yeah. Like you could be one of those stores used, right. used, yeah. used know, bags. I, I wrote, Riley's used bags. A, <laughs> uh, used bags, slightly used. <laughs> don't mind the blood on the handle. Yeah. And that piece of glass that I jumped through the window. Uh, yeah. We could feel, yeah. we could get out with a piece of pliers. Yeah, I had wrote a um, an essay right after the riots of 2020. Talk. I saw that, Riley. I saw that. I read that. That was really good. Go ahead, elaborate on that. Yeah. Yeah. What that in the description for you? Thank you. I I uh, I talked about how I I I spoke with right after that, right in during that time, I spoke with a lot of guys I know, Bloods, Crips, Mexican gang, and all of them unanimously said. Well, they better be lucky we're not getting involved. Their position was, oh, this is a little white girl riot. You know, oh, we're fighting the good cause, social justice, social justice, and we're committing crime in the process, and we're looting in the process. So the 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 guys I know, the gangs, their position was, they're lucky we're not getting involved. Well, guess what? They now have gotten involved, which is why you see guys in Beverly Hills getting jacked for their watches, you know, brazen crimes happening that didn't exist years back in the broad daylight in Beverly Hills, a guy getting robbed like pretty often uh, they've been emboldened. So the actual predators, the real hawks are like, yo, these doves are not being protected. It's time for us to now go get a piece of this action. So, to the citizenry, you gotta you gotta thank the lawmakers who decided to say to the cops, "Don't worry about it." To the district attorneys, "Oh, don't charge for that." You know, it's for the greater good. <laughs> okay, well, what's the unintended consequences, or what, what's what's the logical con- conclu- uh, conclusion from all this? You're gonna have more victims. Well, I guess they get a free day at work, though, right? So, yeah. so then what led you to uh, your book, Jose Marti? Am I saying it right? I'm terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What led you to that? Because that, that's a little bit of a switch. So we have it yeah. up. We have it up now. People are, that are watch the video, when you see the video, will be up. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Jose Marti. He's a man who fully embodies the Cuban motto of Patre- I'm definitely going to mess that up. So you can explain it. <laughs> But it's interesting. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jose Marti was um, a Cuban poet, uh, revolutionary poet. Um, no matter where you stand in Cuba on the political divide, left or right, he's viewed as like the, the soul of Cuba. You know, the airport, Jose Marti airport is statues of him all around. He was a poet. He lived in the, in the U.S. for a while. Uh, he wrote extensively in U.S. publications. He one of his first battles that he was a part of, Spanish-Cuban War. He was killed. 
we had uh, so Rick, great we had Rick Prado in, who was the head of the CIA during the Bush administration, and he had brought up Jose uh, Marti. He's Cuban. He had brought him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 stands as for everyone, left or right. Everyone can appreciate him because he fought for the homeland. He wanted a free Cuba. So I use that name for my main character, Jose Marti, set into today's time. Uh, I when I was last in Cuba in 2017, I came across a crime that actually happened there that got that got me thinking this needs to be told. So I do my own interpretation of it. So Jose Marti uh, Verso Sincilo was the name of his uh, one of his most famous poems, the historical Jose Marti. So I call my book. Uh, Jose Marti versus Sincilos, simple verses. Um, and it's a collection of short stories. All of them I wrote over the, during the pandemic, you know, you look up and think, oh, surely the world will start spinning again. Oh shit, it's still restrictions. Especially where I'd you write are. Another, yeah, yeah cool. I'd write another short, I'd write another short. Uh, <laughs> you got a lot again. of shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. California, you got a lot. Yeah, uh, I, 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 set it up so that the release of it would come you know in television film we knew that the the writer's strike was coming up you know from back in late 2022 so i was prepared for it so i set the book to be released during the strike so i could have something going on you know to to stay active smart um yeah and one of the i think aside from jose marti one of my best or f- most favorite of the shorts is uh, my reimagining of the great Gatsby. Yeah. It's out of copyright. And, um, you know, I, I took the story from what if Gatsby wasn't killed and I went forward from there with it. And so you, I get to exploit it however I want. And I had some fun with the characters. He's one of my, my favorite author. And uh, I read the book at least once a year. Or if I read something that's garbage, to flush that out of my mind, I'll go read some Fitzgerald just to like <laughs> let his words soak back into my mind. You know, uh, uh, Room One Zero Four. It's the story of um, what happens when people get canceled. So uh, this this fictional world, uh, it's a re-education class, government sponsored, and in this class, one of the guys that's in it uh, he finds out about you can now purchase cancel insurance like under your umbrella program with state farm um you know you can purchase it in the event you get canceled in the future you know mm-hmm. like what does it cover well it helps pay your bills because you know you'll be fired from your job <laughs> uh your medical and all that speaking of california i mean you you live there uh you know we live in florida but you know, you, you never know how bad things are until you're in something. How, like, what are the people like in California? Meaning you see this, we hear the stuff, you know, the no gas stoves and, you know, all electric oh, yeah. cars and, you know, and then you see the way that the vote goes. It always goes Democrat. It goes to Gavin Newsom. It, it always goes like, is it really like people really are just in a bubble world or they really yeah, like, do they really, do they like really believe, do they really believe like this shit that they're being fed? You know, a lot of the outlandish um, initiatives that have come of late 
they haven't been put to the uh, to the people to vote on. California uh, uh, leans pretty heavily Democratic. Uh, in both of our state houses, the Democrats have a supermajority and they have the governorship. So they just have to bring a bill before the House, pass it, and then Newsom's going to sign it. Hmm. Whatever, however it plays out, and, you know, unintended consequences, we deal with it from there. Um, so votes, uh, a lot of the bills that have come up, that have come before the people that are pretty out there, have been shot down. Um, and recently, Gavin Newsom, I guess in his pivot to the center, he uh, has vetoed a couple of bills uh, that were put up by his Democratic allies in the House, I guess, to try to you know, appear like I am not mm. to the far left. Um, it, it's so obvious that he's you know, doing it for the sake of if he goes on a, on a national level. Right. Middle America, take a look. You see, I, I'm not that far gone. I even went up against my own party. Right. I don't think anyone's going to really go for that, but you know, he's a he's a good used car salesman. I think a, I think <laughs> a turtle a turtle with a suit on could run for president in California they as would. long as it's Democrat. They would vote for it. a turtle, a dog, a cat, a fox, whatever it is. It's just crazy to me. Could be a um, a mouse. Because I always I always use the right? example. I, mean, I, <laughs> I always use the example here. I'm like, you know, we're in Florida, and I'm like, if I put a hundred people in the room right now, and I said. RFK Jr. or Joe Biden, I think 99 would say RFK and one person would say Biden, maybe. And then you talk to people in New York and they're like, it's the total opposite. It would be, you know, 99 right. to one. I just wonder, like, do those people really believe that? Like, is it is it just a bunch of what they're being fed in their ears or is it is it? You know, is it cheating? Like, is it? Did Gavin Newsom do? The, does he not get seventy yeah, percent of the vote? Right. So, like, you know, I know that what we're, what I'm asking too is California just fucking rigged, or are they really just <laughs> that stupid? And actually, like, they're just that caught up on voting this color, no matter what it is, who it is. It could be Jeffrey Dahmer, and they'll vote for him. You know, is <laughs> is that what it is, <laughs> or or are they just cheating like hell to win? Uh, California every time like they cheat like they both cheat like hell yeah. it's just California they have on locked with the cheating I don't know yeah California uh, just like America where the uh, the big the big cities right control the generally are heavily Democrat in California the big cities Frisco LA, LA heavily vote Democrat dense population. The part of California that feeds America, the breadbasket, Ventura County, Salinas Valley, you know, that provide, you know, a, a high percentage of the produce for America, they're farmers, you know, and they vote. That's well, rather conservative. Orange County, San Diego, you know, so that's like on a wider scale, America. Um, the numbers at the end of the day. Um, California has, it used to be heavily Republican, you know, all the way up. And well, you don't even want to count Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's just <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, when, but, you, you, when, know, when he, you step back, if you step back right now just, and you look at California, right. what percentage would you say 
is blue, what percentage would you say is red, and then what percentage would you say is in the middle? From what you see, uh, taking away all the noise. Well, we had the recall of Gavin Newsom, and he he won, but um, Larry Elders got a big chunk of vote. Um, does it speak to what's going to happen next? I'd say there's probably more independence. Than, than uh, um, blue? I, I just asked because whenever we yeah, see a yeah, map, California is always completely blue, 100% yeah. blue no matter what. So uh, just from yeah. somebody who's been there, grew up there, and isn't going to lie about it, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of uh, folks who don't want to rock the boat, don't want to have to answer, don't want to have to explain or defend a position. As blue as California is, as late as 2008, California voted to amend the California Constitution to define marriages between one woman and one man. Mm. And folks were a bit shocked. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In liberal California? That's a conservative position. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of folks that got found out to have had donated to uh more conservative causes and their names were thrown out there and they were you know like uh raked across the coals for having that position right so in so many words like california is so much so hollywood and celebrity if you're not with what they're with and they don't care because they're they got you know a gazillion dollars they could care less what goes on if you're not with them then it's kind of like the Trump thing. Like there was a lot of people that were for tr for Trump, but you would say, "Hey, are you for Trump?" No, never. But then you know they right. would go to the bar and they'd be like, "You're voting for Trump, right? 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 Okay." Right. You know. Right. So I've, I've like heard that. more of those. I've heard more of those conversations uh, ever in your life <laughs> in, in Hollywood yeah. amongst folks. I, I I I'm apolitical, you know. Like Jordan said, Republicans buy Jordans as well, right? right? Yeah. So uh, I work in Hollywood. I'm for whatever's best. Right. I, I'm in the writing room. I don't get there's plenty of political conversations that come up, and uh, I don't mind having a conversation. I'll probe. I'll ask. I don't have to state a position. <laughs> right. Right. You, you can learn. I don't have to. I don't have to show up to every fight. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the girls in the uh, writing room asked me last season about uh, the show is uh, set in prison that I was writing on uh, in the inmate firefighter program in the forestry division in California. Congratulations and, on that, by the way. Thank you. And uh, she had asked me about uh, the white supremacist in prison and blah, blah, blah. What's their whole goal? And I said, um, they have the same goal as the black supremacist in prison. What? What? <laughs> yeah, the white supremacists in prison—they have the same goal as the black supremacists in prison. It's like as if she had never heard that that have actually existed. I said, "Yeah, that they exist, and they have the same rhetoric. They have the same hatred. Uh, they're just <laughs> the opposite on the other, you know, side of the coin. They exist. Yes. Um, uh, to what degree do they influence the wider population? You know, it just depends on." the circumstances um but most folks folks just fall in line uh, and she was just dumbfounded she could not fathom that there existed black supremacists and i'm like i didn't make that name up 
that's part of the organization's name. <laughs> you yeah. know, run down shit. Yeah. Like I'm just delivering the message. I was like a journalist while I was I was a citizen journalist observing the crazy from all sides and recognizing that I too had to participate in it. Yeah, it's like, well, you guys are just clueless, completely clueless yeah. in your little box. So yes. what what are you doing now with CBS? Uh, waiting for the call up for, uh, you know, the writer's strike has just ended. So, um, you, you wait <sighs> as there's this mad rush shows are completely backed up. Um, shows that would have 22 episode seasons are now probably going to have 13 mm -hmm. and even getting back in the writing room this week, next week, um, there's still the actor strike. So let's, we write, we're five episodes. We're ready. If the actors are still on strike, no one's here to say these words that we wrote. So it's, I mean, we had Directors Guild, WGA on strike, and SAG. Directors Guild, they went back, but they had nothing to film because we had nothing to write. Nothing to write <laughs> there was yeah. no actors there to act what we wrote. So the directors go, oh, we'll just wait for you guys to finish everything up. Sure. Um, and in the process, all the below the line folks, you know, the grips, the electricians, the carpenters, the hair, makeup, the food, the trickle down of who was affected by all of these strikes, um, it will reverberate for quite some time. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How much of that will affect... Uh... You know, I know the TV shows and the movies, like, will they rush stuff now to try to get stuff out there and it won't be as good because they're now rushing it because they're behind? Or what, what will happen there? Uh, you, you, could, you would imagine there will be some type of uh, collateral damage from the artistic standpoint. <laughs> uh, I wrote on the show I was writing on. It's uh, network television. The formula is pretty, pretty locked. You're gonna, you, you know what you're gonna get when you watch Law and Order, mm -hmm. or um, uh, any one of those, you know, type of shows where it's just pretty set. There's a, there's a formula. Um, are, are you allowed to talk about more... what you would be writing? Are you allowed to talk about that? Like what you would be writing? Are you allowed to talk about what you would be what you would be writing? Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the show that I was on last season, but you know it's set in the California prison system in the inmate fire fighter program. Uh, I was a, a part of that, you know, in the, while I was in. Once I got out of Crazy Corcoran, um, <laughs> but uh, the show ended the last season where our main character uh, he gets sent back from the fire camp. He gets sent back to the mainline prison he goes back so right. season season two is starting with shit he's now back you know in the mainline the crazy world well will he get back to the fire camp what's going to happen where's where's the world going to go okay where's, cool so they they because i know in the past that uh we've had people in where like say you wrote that part then the next season they would have somebody else take that person's uh writing so they would be switching up the writer for a person which i thought was dumb as hell and actually you know i, I don't want to say what show but it was dumb as hell <laughs> because it didn't match what the first you know season had done right well the 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 writing room 11 12 13 of us uh, 
it's rare that all of us are ever in the room all at once for more than two days at a time. Wow. You get lucky if you got five, six writers in a room. But if it's your episode that we're working on, and, and as as the showrunner and the show itself, we've figured out what these 22 episodes, we, what we want to accomplish. And then each episode moves us closer to that goal. So you get episode one, I got episode two, he got episode three, four, five. Uh, but each episode, the room is working on it together. So it is a, a very collab. Television is very collaborative in that way. Uh, to write a film, I go off and write a script for th- three months all on my own. So I'm in a silo. could you compare when, when you do a film versus a TV show like you're writing now? <clears throat> what, what's the biggest differences in, in those two? Uh, the collaborative the nature collaborative. of television. Yeah. 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 It really requires, uh, you got to check your ego. Yeah. Uh, everyone in the room is just as talented as you. That's how we got here. That's like a given. Um, then from there, you, you realize the different characters. You see the strong suits of different folks like ah ah it, it's like a like a hit squat yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yeah you know this person is real hot with story this person is like on point structure wise like there's a structure to the episode there's a structure for network television that's different than cable uh format and some people eat and sleep and breathe it you know no matter how great of an idea you have it still has to fit in this structure Right. We got to go to commercial. We got this. We got to leave you on the cliffhanger. Right. We got to come That's back from right. the commercial break. Yeah. That's right. You're yeah. dealing with all the. I forgot about that. In, in TV, you're dealing. You know, if it's if it's a 30 minute show, what you need? What 16 minutes of content? How many commercials are on uh, a 30 minute or hour hour show, roughly? So, so an hour show, it's going to come in at about uh, 50, uh, 48 minutes, really. 48. Yeah. Yeah, 48 something like that um yeah you get yeah, the commercials have to be there that's how the bills get paid that's how we get paid to write and then it has to be written i would assume so that when you're about to go to commercial it's an ending where like you cliffhanger stay, you yeah a cliffhanger right yeah, yeah, yeah. that to yeah. me that seems the biggest difference i mean i'm not a writer so i can't write my name but you know uh, <laughs> but that, that seems the big i'm terrible that seems the biggest yeah. thing yeah so you know working with that structure you have to i'm not going to come in and up in that yeah no matter how great i think i am as a writer this is the structure for television this is the structure for network television um everyone is as talented as the next guy everyone has their own shows they've created that they're trying to sell while they're staffed on another show. There isn't a writer I know that doesn't have two, three shows sitting in their back pocket. All damn good. You're like, oh, shit. But there's only so many people that can get that golden ticket. Random question here. Has reality shows and shows that are on uh, TLC kind of ruined uh, relationships and (laughs) the way people look at life, uh, in, in your opinion, without bashing on anybody you may know that writes for any of those shows um <laughs> yeah i think by now 
<laughs> hey, careful, buddy. Now, <laughs> everyone knows it's bullshit. I don't uh, think so, Riley. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Riley. I'm uh, sorry, but they don't. We they know don't a few know people. It's bullshit. They don't a lot. Really? No, they don't. They think it's real. Well, they bring it into their life. They bring it around all their friends. Trust me when I tell you. I know. I know. <laughs> well, you know, some people just love to be humbugged, and there's nothing you can do for them. Right. Yeah, um, and you run like hell but, is what you do. Yeah. You're right. Get away. <laughs> run. Right. I look at some <laughs> of the run. television, and it becomes, um, okay, this is a nice storyline. Uh, for instance, the, uh, the current season of New York Housewives. Um, I was house sitting recently and I'm vegging out on it and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this season, this cast is all new, all new ladies. Uh, I'm thinking this isn't going to last. And the reason I'm, I'm coming to that conclusion is they don't, they're actually too nice. They actually like each other. They really don't have any drama. Can't have that. And, and that whole housewife franchise is based on the cat fights the cattiness the this the that the that and i'm thinking i I watched these girls over four five six episodes i'm like every little spat they had they actually resolved it like wait this you guys are breaking the mold here riley what a great world riley they they gotta get satan involved they gotta get chris jenner over there they gotta get chris jenner over there she'll ruin them all (laughs) (laughs) she'll create drama and ruin every one of them fucking fucking tristan thompson Tristan right. Thompson's a bench warmer. Lamar's and, fucking killing himself out of thing. And, and, <laughs> Scott Disick lost his brain. And, and are you are you that watching? Bitch. Are you watching a lot of? <sighs> are you watching a lot of TV to help you with maybe ideas or seeing what's new and coming up? Are you watching a lot of TV? Turned a gold medalist into a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's 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 study. You know, I, there's certain shows I like that I've seen all seasons five, six seasons, three, four times over. Uh, it, it's like reading a book, your favorite author or uh, an author who you whose style you like, you want to incorporate that into your writing style. I will watch a show because the first time I'm watching it to enjoy it, the second time that I've watched it, I'm now breaking down the story. Maybe the third time I'm looking at, oh, that was an interesting camera angle. You know, yeah. I'm not a director, but I'm enjoying that the director decided to go with that shot and the editor. Oh, look at that transition. Yeah. So, you know, you I, I try to keep my television watching uh, to a minimum uh, as far as bullshit. Uh, you know, I want to I want to feel like I got something out of it. Maybe you can answer but, this, Riley. I, this is yeah. a big one. How do the Simpsons know what they know? <laughs> <laughs> how the fuck do they know all this that shit? That's crazy. Or, I mean, yeah. is it the mushrooms? Is it the DMT? How do they? How do those writers Back know to all the future, this shit? baby? Come on, man. They know too much. How? Well, they got a CIA. They have a mole in the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> do they? You think that's what it is? I would imagine. Yeah. They have to, yeah. right? If you had to put, if you had a guess, you think they got somebody in the CIA that's throwing a little bit of something to them once in a while? Yeah, I mean, it's like you, a broken clock is right two times a day, but they've hit too many things on the, too many you know, right on the, yeah, yeah, it's um, to where South Park is uh, South really good at wrapping up 
what's going on. Yeah. And contextualizing it, poking yeah. fun at it. The Simpsons is so forward thinking. Right. Right. Yeah. They're they're three years ahead of nine eleven. They were two years ahead of Afghanistan. I mean, it's wild yeah. shit. And, CIA. And right. Then, Never thought of that. What's the difference between, say, network, right? CBS, ABC, Fox, shows that run on there compared to like Netflix. Uh, you know, I know the difference, but like, you know, Netflix, you just can keep, you, you get addicted. You're on that sh- season and just constantly keep watching it. While network, you have to wait, right? You have to wait till the next week for the next show. You worked with yeah. Fox, right? Fox, yeah, Fox, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is you get to stream it, I me mean, uh, binge it, uh, because they've already made it to where network. We we need you to come back next week. We need you to come back next week which which is why the the style of storytelling is different uh you think of a show like uh let's say entourage and they have the whole season to tell you to play out the situation to where a network we have one hour to play that out and have that situation resolved to some degree, but also have it a part of the 22 episode season to where you have more leeway in the cable and in network. I mean, um, then network because they get to play out, you know, over the whole season versus just that one hour. Right. Right. And, and does, so who does network make more money? Or does Netflix writers make more money, or is there no difference in that? On network, you definitely make more money. Well, just based on the number of episodes alone, 22 episodes versus an eight-episode run on a, a Netflix or HBO show. And then depends on where you are, level with level of a writer you are. I'm on the lower rung. You know, I keep at it. I keep coming back each season. Um, next four or five years, it's reasonable to believe. If I haven't sold my own show, it's reasonable to believe that I could be a co-executive producer in five, six years from now. If I'm constantly employed each season. Because from an outside perspective, it just feels like the Netflixes of the world. It's like people are talking about, you know, the Cobra Kai show and all these other shows because it's like become where you get it all at once. You can binge it. People like, I don't know. That's just my outtake on that. Yeah. There is some addictive element to it. Like I can just blow off a whole weekend, but I've finished the whole season. Right. There's something to be said for that. But what ends up uh, making more money in general? Because with the streaming, you can just pump it out and just hope a bunch of people watch it. Right. With the network, you could play it out for five years if it's good. Ten years. Yeah, yeah. Net- network is definitely the place to be. Yeah. Uh, you you you'll hear network writers say that. Like, you, no doubt, the strike there was some you know some serious, uh, some serious gains had. There was a, the fight was, you know, legit. It needed to happen. Um, it's like you know. A mafia war every 10, 12 years <laughs> oh, yeah. bad blood, you know. Um, but overall, network uh, network television writers, ABC, CBS, Fox, uh, NBC, um, 
most folks that I know recognize we get paid pretty well. You know, yes, the 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 fight that we we had for you know controls on AI, minimum staffing, and all of the other things that came up, all necessary. Uh, but at the end of the day, if I tried to form my mouth to complain about the pay, considering the life that I've lived, what do we, yeah. Tommy, please throw a boot at me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know? yeah. Like, hey, uh, I did a bunch of time in jail. I did this or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of complaints. Could I please have a meeting with the uh, head director? Because I'm Riley, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's complete crazy town in some people's mind, but hey, I got a different way to deal with adversity. And and what do you got? I, I'm sure you got things in your head. You know what? What do you? Where do you see yourself three, four years from now? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? What what goal do you have coming up? Or should yeah, I say uh, that you're going to achieve? Yeah, uh, selling my uh, uh, my adaptation of my book that would be uh, at the top um, uh, and or continuing to be staffed on shows. Uh, every writer's goal is to sell their show. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to write on other shows. Uh, I, mean, I need to get paid, yes. Uh, and it becomes more experience. The more you learn, the more folks you are around, uh, of the people there, what every individual brings their strengths to the, the team. Uh, I was uh, first time in the writer room. I was uh, very impressed with the first day that I'm in, the co-creator of the show, uh, her and her husband, their writing team. They uh, uh, they were the showrunners for Grey's Anatomy oh, for wow. many years. Wow. They've been around. How many years? And uh, oh. my first day in the writing room, it was her episode that was up before the uh, the room. So we're breaking her story down. No ego involved at all. It was all about what was best for the show, for these characters. How do we get there? So to see that first day in, it's like, oh shit, this this really these guys might really be serious here, you know. Um, and, Everyone, anyone that spoke, your idea is worthy. The assistants that are in that writer room, they can throw out ideas. And if it works, it gets plugged in. So so nobody was better than anybody. So everybody was on almost the same level. And I can see how that would just make yeah. the work environment yeah. so much more fun to be in. Yeah, well, you, each room is different. Right. Different personalities, different characters. I would say our room that first season the 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 way the the way that it blended it was effortless in my opinion uh and i came in halfway through the season so they are folks already had had a uh, they had already you know had a friendships and bonds going and the way i came in and just rolled right into it the new guy everyone bringing me up to speed yeah, yeah you bringing me up you weren't speed. the new guy you were the new friend yeah 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 Very yeah cool. um you know, just stay away from all the the office politics that would exist if we were car salesmen or if we, you know, worked at a real estate company. That you're you're never going to escape that. Yeah, I got I got two more quick questions for you here. 
Yeah, he, you're fun, man. So this is that that this is going to turn into a so, documentary. So man. two quick questions. One, what would older Riley now say to younger Riley? Would you do anything differently? Would you say, "No, nah, man, I would have done it all the same"? Or what would you have done? What would older Riley tell younger Riley right now? I'll just walk away. Walk away. Be 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 patient. It's uh, you know, just stay working at your craft. You know, uh, that, that, that's part of being young. Yeah. Wow. You know, um, not afraid of shit because you don't even know that you should be afraid of anything. Right. Because you really haven't lived yet. You know, um, untested. So, yeah, why not? Why couldn't I challenge the world? Um, impatient. Yeah. You know, not working at your craft, working at it, knowing that not everything doesn't come right away. I'm going to stay working at it. Um, I'm going to stay the course, and it's going to happen at some point. Yep. Um, if you put your head down and don't give up, sooner or later something will give. Yeah. I mean, especially if you work in the arts. Yeah. It's subjective. And in this particular part of the arts, the business part of it is more important nearly than the art of it. So this isn't uh, uh this isn't yeah, you deserve it. You're ready, you're a good writer. That has nothing to do with it. Connections are one thing, yes. But timing. Is it your time yet? I've gone up for shows that I didn't get where I'm meeting with the executive producers and their position to me is you are uniquely uh, right for this show. We love your writing, but we can't bring you on because we have to bring on. We have to fill this spot with. Fill in the blank from that point forward. Right. Nothing to do with me. Love my writing. Uniquely qualified for this show, subject matter. But we have to. What do you do about that? It's just not the my, my time for that show. Right. I could, you know, raise my fists and scream at the skies about the situation and the fuck, fuck, fuck. It's out of my control. Not going to change anything. And yeah, you were into boxing, so. I, I'm more into bo like UFC is the big thing, but I'm still a boxing guy. Who would you yeah, like? Yeah. Who would you like to see box to bring boxing back? Because it's not like it was when we came up. You know, there's no more Tyson days, Lennox Lewis days. You know, yeah. Holyfield. There's none of that anymore. Once in a while, we get a kind of. The last good one I saw was to Fury. Fury. I don't, I don't know if you got a chance Fury. to see Tommy. Yeah. Fury or, yeah. The Tom, no, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. And uh, yeah. who was the crazy one three times? Uh, Dante. Yeah, Dante Wilder. Yeah, those Deontay three Wilder. fights were crazy. But yeah. what fight could bring back boxing for us? Uh, you know, depending on weight class, uh, Crawford, he's, uh, he's, he's keeping the excitement going. He's an old workhorse, you know. No big flash, just go out there and take care of business. Uh, he's an old country boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we need a good heavyweight, a, though. We need a good heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweights always where the big action is. Is but Tyson Fury, uh, he's gonna what? He's fighting the guy who's coming over from UFC. Uh, Nago Nago. I, I, Nago I don't know yeah, how to pronounce Nago, it. Nagoya. Yeah, I can't say. Who's he fighting? Francis uh, Nagoya. Yeah, from UFC. Yeah, it's fighting. Yeah. Why are they doing that? 
Ah, Honey, people watch it. Uh, I know. Why don't you put them up against people? Watch it. Uh, the Paul, we need him. Jake Paul. So, they made their money, you know, too. The whole Jake Paul stuff, uh, that's it's such a, gimmick. a scam. Gimmick. Hey, they're making good money, but yeah. it's mad. It's gimmick. It's such a scam. It's such a scam. He's decent, though. I thought he'd be worse. He's decent. They're, He's decent. He sticks to it. And you you can't blame him. I mean, it's like if you're going to throw the money out there, I'm going right. to come get it. Right. He's doing he's it. Game. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's game, but it just I I just can't watch it because oh having come up in boxing, I've seen guys. His brother just fought uh, this weekend. Oh, his brother yeah, fought this yeah. weekend. It's terrible. See, I didn't even want like normally if there was a boxing match, you know how it used to be, the Rob. Guy, the, yeah, yeah. The guy put we'll, him. We'd be gearing up. The guy put him in a headlock at the end of the last round, and it started like a got brawl disqualified. and all these guys <laughs> got there. Uh, it was a see, gimmick. Gimmick. Uh, I, I want the days when Tyson's about to fight at one a.m. We all go over to my friends at nine, and we're gearing up. Right. And even though Tyson's only going to be one minute. Right. We're all, Roy, right. Roy Jones is fighting right. pre-car, you know, fuck. And yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't like the whole Logan Paul gimmick because uh, he's getting big money thrown at him. Uh, I fought amateurs for years, for years, many years. And then having seen a lot of guys when they turn pro, they're not getting any money until they're like 10 and 0. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know. Have, yeah, have so to that. see this guy come in on an exhibition shit. It, it's it's like it's 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 perversion. You know, it's like it's perverted the sport. It just seems so dirty, and uh, it's like just go do something else. <laughs> Leave boxing alone because there's dudes that have trained and right. trained and trained, and just by the nature of the business, the money is not there until they're nearly in on their fifteenth fight. Right. But this guy comes in with the whole social media fame, and he's getting $10 million, $5 million, whatever the number is. So I would like to see him fight a legitimate boxer that just decides I to agree. you know, break yeah. his ass down. Yeah, you you want to go in? All right, yeah, yeah. put him up you're, against. You're going to earn this money. Who could he fight? Who would he fight in his white class, weight class that would be a real fight? Maybe uh, that's a legitimate yeah, fight a legitimate not fight. some exhibition right, match. Right, like a legitimate uh, fight. It, it, any any real boxer, yeah, anybody, any man. boxer right now who is barely like on his first or second fight turning pro would serve Jake Paul. Right. No, you, you know who should serve him for ten rounds, twelve rounds? Floyd. Uh-huh. Go in and just show him. Just show him, Floyd. I. So well, they I, have I, their they have their fight, right? Yeah, they have. <clears> but I mean, fake. I mean now, like let him go full force. Yeah, Floyd, just give it to right. him. Just dance around him and show him the defense. Yeah. You're not going to get touched. Yeah. You need yeah, to Floyd wasn't trying you, to hurt him. He, yeah, yeah, he just hit him when he wanted to hit him, yeah. and then yeah, you know, cool. let's get this out of the way. And then, yeah. uh, last question from me, uh, random question too. Favorite prison food when you were in prison? I know that's a random one, but any any like crazy? I'm gonna things? guess. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say uh, uh, chicken sandwich. I, I I had um I'm a Jew so I had kosher meals so oh you got good had, shit though yeah I, you could actually identify what the food was that you were eating you know yeah um, you had taste you mean best- you had taste yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but I, I don't know fruits and vegetables like getting the f- access to fresh fruits I I worked in the kitchen for like three years and that was you know like that's the equivalent of 
drugs for me, some some nice fruits and vegetables that aren't wilted away <laughs> extra, you know. Um, there wasn't there wasn't too much that really had you excited. What you about know, so like some? What about all the, what about all the money you gave to Keefe? What was your favorite thing to get off of the store list? And people don't know commissary is what when you order food in prison. So what what was your favorite thing to order from Keefe? Who's taking our money and laundering it? Jack Mac Jack rice. Mac. <laughs> uh, Jack, Jack <laughs> and yeah. what, I bet you always forgot the uh, the sausage or one of the things to make the soups. You'd have to, right, right. Yeah. Well, do they call them chichis there? They take the Raymond yeah, noodles, yeah, cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you give them to the Spanish. They call them chichis, or they call them donkey dicks. Uh. Donkey dicks. I never heard that. Those <laughs> Riley, right? They'll put fifty pounds on you in three weeks. Riley, right? Easy. You eat. Yeah, that'll 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 bulk you up. Fucking better than Ruth Chris. They're better. Oh, <laughs> I mean, God. they're better than anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Some of these that you're saying, I hadn't thought of in years, but like, you know, like Jack Mac. I can't imagine going down the aisle in the grocery oh, store and be no. picking up oh, a can of no. Jack Mac. Oh, hell no. But you know that's damn good, though. You know it's good. It was damn good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Riley, that's man, funny. I'm going to have everything in the description. Uh, all like There will be a lot of pop-ups during the video that you'll see. And I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Love to have you yeah, on, back you. on it's again terrible. if you got time. I know you're busy out there, but it's yeah, really yeah. fun talking to you, man. I appreciate it, man. It was, it was a great. Really enjoy talking to I you. Maybe man. the next one, uh, once once I have the solid schedule down, then I can figure out from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to get you in here. In yeah. here. For sure. Yeah, let's sure. do it. Let's do it, man. We'll have a fun conversation, man. For sure. Thank for you. Sure. Man. All right, man. Thank right, you so buddy. much thank for you. your time, brother. I'll text you uh, all sure. the links and everything. All right, thank you. You have a great day. You too. Thanks, sir. Thank you.